are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and Abe is out on assignment. Um, out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I normally discuss new movies weekly. However, every now and then we have to get these special bonus episodes, whether it's one of our fun commentaries, something completely different, and this is something completely different. This is, um, what is this? This is like an August free-for-all. Um, I'll, I'll probably come up with a clever title for whatever you're listening to right now. You'd be like, that's what they came up with later. Uh, but yeah, uh, basically... Uh, with Abe not here, and this week being somewhat slight as far as new releases go, we figured, why not um, why not just address a couple of, you know, just movies we've seen recently and whatever other stuff we kind of get into. And I feel like I found the perfect uh, couple people to get into those kind of conversations with. Um, so joining me to discuss whatever we get into, which will include Christopher Robin. I did promise last week that we talked Christopher Robin, so that'll be among the things to talk about. But joining us to discuss various things this uh, this evening, we have podcasting with one hand stuck in a jar of honey. It's Disney's Yancey Burns. Hello, friends. Also joining us, currently trying to win back the spy who dumped him, it's Peter Paris. <laughs> yes, hello. How are the two of you doing this evening? Good. Oh, uh, I'm good. Good, nice, relaxing uh, weekend overall. So, um, ready to start fresh with the work week. All right. Well, good. Uh, good to have you guys back here as always. It's always always uh, fun to get. I think it was uh, Solo, I think was the last time we might have all uh, talked together. Oh, yeah. You look right. Yeah. You know, box office hit solo. Um, Thanks for having me. <laughs> I'm, I'm half joking because it, it was a box office hit to an extent just for Star Wars, I guess. 120 million, right? It did, uh, it did, it did, what, it did 215 domestic, right? When, when, uh, you know, it made, it made its money. We don't need to get into solo right now. <laughs> we, might talk, <laughs> we might talk about box office later. Let me get to some show notes real quick. Uh, first, well, speaking of box office, the Summer Gamble, which you two are both part of, um, is currently going. Um, we are in the the remaining weeks before we uh, do kind of the results show at the end of the at the end of this month. I have no idea what the stats are right now. I know a number of us are surprised by how certain things might have went. Yeah, that's uh, Mission Impossible is making money, and that's going to be a major factor as far as how quickly it can make a certain amount of money, which will probably determine who of us will have the most accurate predictions for the top ten highest grossing films of the summer. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, we'll, we'll see where that goes and, or maybe the Meg just makes a bunch of money next weekend. I have no idea, but, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. I thought I do want to see that. <laughs> I do want to see the Meg. No, I'm looking forward to seeing the Meg, but as far as the, the money's concerned, <laughs> which is, which does not matter nearly as much, but it's still fun to do for this contest. Uh, I'll, I'll be curious. I'll be curious if it's just like a Chinese thing as far as it's a big Chinese co-production and they're clearly going to make a lot of money off of it. Or if it'll be <laughs> hitting the state side as well, thinking, huh, sharks and Jason Statham, we should see that America. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the, uh, the read on that is. <laughs> it seems like a good summer play though right wouldn't you think it's like you know beaches summer sharks jason statham that seems like ingredients for uh i should go and see that movie i agree um although i let's that'll be that'll be mission impossible's third weekend right yeah like i mean what did mission Impossible? Uh, 35 35? (laughs) what He's gonna get. He's gonna turn Mission Impossible into the underdog somehow. My <laughs> underdog, Mission Impossible. I, and actually, I uh, apologize in advance. Uh, I've been off social media lately, and I have not seen Aaron's review. So I, at this point, do not know if Aaron liked Mission Impossible Fallout, which I hope to find out in this podcast. <laughs> but um, I can tell you right now, I think it's pretty amazing. <laughs> I mean, oh, you like it? Okay, great. Yeah, I, 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 love it too. Yeah, I think so, it's. Uh, I think it's a touch below Rogue Nation, but I still think it's. I still think it's the second best of the series in a series that I generally like a lot. So it's not a, not much to, to scoff at. Yeah, I just got and actually I just got 
all Mission Impossible's 4K. So I'm thinking this week I'm going to, I might start from the beginning and, you know, but I, I mean, honestly, the only one to me is two. Two is the only one that I'm like, eh. It seems yeah, like I that's the like that's the, the genu- that's the genuine genuinely accepted kind of thought on the Mirror Series of the Possible series that two is kind of the weak link. And even then, I like watching two. It's not my favorite by any means, but it's I I think it's very enjoyable. Um, or at least yeah, see, a lot you... of it is enjoyable. There's parts that are just really slow and whatever. So, uh, but yeah. So, um, yeah, so there you go. <laughs> Yancy, what did you think of Fallout? Did you see Fallout yet? I did not see Fallout. I did not see Fallout. What business do I have on your podcast? I've not seen <laughs> uh, I, I've seen the others, the others though. I love I love uh, the fourth one, Ghost, Ghost Protocol. Ghost Protocol. I think that one is like an all-time great uh, summer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love Ghost Protocol. The rest of them, I, 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 lo- I don't like the second one. The second one was atrocious. Uh, the first one and the third one and the last one are fine. And this new one looks good, but I love the Brad Bird one. Like that's on a different level to me. I'm jealous that he got the 4Ks, though. I have to admit, I've heard a lot. I've heard a lot of good things. Like Paramount did a good job putting that 4K set together. Like they've really kind of. It's not just like an a, an upgrade. It's or like a like a standard. Like yeah, hey, let's just put it on 4K. It's like they really went in and like. Did yeah, they're the supposed job. to look amazing. Yeah, like. Um, so, in your, in your guys, in your guys' estimation, has has Tom Cruise wiped away the bad vibes from the Mummy? Now is he back to one, as they say? I, I mean. Even, even though you guys strangely like the Mummy more than I do for whatever reason, I do. I never. I know was never against Tom Cruise because of that. Like I, that just seemed well, more. You, in general, do we feel like that the crisis is over? <laughs> oh yeah, I think people. Honestly, I, I think honestly, it's not the. It's not really the Mummy. Honestly, I think it's going to sound kind of strange, but I think it's it is a weird indirect thing of the Mission Impossible movies are very entertaining, and it's all because of him. Pretty much, um, but it's, and I, I also think it's a strange thing where the world we live in now, some Scientologist jumping on a couch is really nothing. It's really nothing compared to the terrible shit that like Harvey Weinstein and. Her. So I feel like the the badness of Tom Cruise ten years ago, the people are like, oh, I don't know about Tom Cruise. I don't think anybody cares anymore. Well, at this point, like, it's, also, think, it's just a, it. it's just yeah, a while like, ago at this point when there, I mean, there's so many yeah. other things that hit the news as far as celebrity lives go where it's yeah. not as as big of a factor and th- but with that said though th- at this point in his career the mission impossible movies are the only ones that really score big for Cruz. like he's he's bankable it's like mummy was a hit internationally i can understand right, why right, 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 but like right. as far as like his domestic audience and just like the perception of him in general when he's with mission impossible that's a hit that scores outside of that so I mean, the budgets tend to fluctuate too, so it's not the biggest thing if it's not you know the the biggest movie possible. But like American Made wasn't like a huge hit; it made money, but like but it didn't cost that much money. It didn't. Right? No, it's a mo- it's more modestly budgeted. But like the right, kind of so. I mean, this is the guy you know. This is Tom Cruise who had a while where he could just turn any movie into a hundred million dollar movie, or he could make these respectable dramas in the '90s that would be hits. He could make something like Jerry Maguire and make that you know have that make two hundred fifty million dollars, which is impressive. <laughs> I mean, he. Now, he doesn't really do that these days either, which is something we've talked about as far as it'd be nice if Tom Cruise did more of that these days, but, you know, it uh, doesn't quite happen that way. I agree. Right. And I'll just wrap that up by saying, Peter, if you're going to watch all the 4K Mission Impossibles, be sure to listen to our Out Now commentary track for the first Mission Impossible. So, so you've only done a... See, I was wondering that. So you've, so you've only done commentary for the first one. You haven't done all of them. Uh, we've, I, done, you know, we've, have... done, we've done the first two because you're on the two. <laughs> Oh my god, that's right! I forgot. I'm, oh my god, I forgot. Well, then why were you telling me I need to? Oh, because I yeah. That's you got Scott Mendelson. 
you, uh-huh. you, I, you got the 4K Blu-ray, so I'm saying, you, you'd be sure to listen to our Mission Impossible commentary when you rewatch it. Right, and Scott Mendelson is the, the lone fan of Mission Impossible 2, as I recall, right? He's a bigger fan than most, I would say. Again, I don't, yeah. again I, I don't dislike 2. I, I don't think it's nearly as good as the other 5, but I, I still think it, it's entertaining. Um, in a more ridiculous way. Regardless, this is a lot of Mission Impossible talk. We have a whole episode talking about Fallout last week that you guys were supposed to do. Let's move on, because we're still in show notes. Uh, and speaking of commentaries, we do have a new commentary planned for this month. It is now August. Um, and actually, on this day is the August 5th, when we're recording this, is the 20th anniversary of Halloween H2O, uh, which is going to be our next commentary track, where we talk about the 1998 uh, 7th installment of the Halloween franchise with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, but yeah, that, that's our plan. What were you saying, Nancy? I like that movie a lot. Not Me too. <laughs> I like H2O a lot. Yeah, H2O is, uh, I think it's good fun, and that'll be a good way to prep for October's upcoming uh, Halloween film. So uh, yeah, that's the that's the next plan for our commentary track, so stay tuned for that one. Uh, and what else? iTunes reviews ratings, good to get those. Uh, if, you like, if you like our show, if you like what we're doing here on this looser episode or more standard episodes or our commentary text, if you like any of that, be sure to like log on to iTunes, search for out now there in a name, give us a rating and review. That'd be great. And all right, let's uh, move on now, guys. Let's get to, uh, well, <laughs> we're going to, I'm going to go straight to the poll. Uh, each week we do a poll on this podcast these days uh, where um, we go over, we, we match two movies against each other that kind of relate to one of the main films of the week. Uh, and the idea is that you pick one to save, you vote for that film and by doing that, the other film that's that it's matched against will be just erased from history. It'll just not exist anymore. Um, and so, I took a certain delight in this week's poll because it is a '90s nostalgia edition, um, and I placed Hook against The Sandlot, uh, two films that have a wide amount of of, of uh, kind of '90s acclaim <laughs> as far as people from a certain generation that certainly love these movies. I famously do not like hook i am not a fan of the film <laughs> and so I, I i i do not know the result of this poll as of yet but i'm very curious what it's going to be because one of these movies according to this podcast is not going to exist after this segment um, so before we get to what the actual results are yancy peter between the two of them hook or the sandlot which do you choose to save uh, well, I've ne- the sandlot. <laughs> yeah i've never seen the sandlot i couldn't even tell you i'm assuming it's about kids playing baseball but um it's where yet- the the, the baseball gets lost and the dog has it, right? That's the Sandlot. There's a big, there's a big dog. That's an urban legend behind the, the fence. Hook is my least favorite Spielberg movie. I think it's his worst movie. Hook. Would I rather vanish that than a, a, the Sandlot, which I'm not planning on ever seeing? It's a very interesting question, Aaron. I don't know what the answer is. You never, you, ne- you, you never plan on watching this. Like you're not even gonna be like, huh? There's a random screening in L.A. that pe- my friends are going to, and I'm not gonna see this. You're gonna be like, no, nah, Sandlot, I'll pass. <laughs> I did see Cool Runnings for the first time about six months ago, so I guess anything's possible. Oh my god, I've never seen that either. That's another one. Yeah. I would say you haven't I seen Cool Runnings. Probably... <laughs> okay. I, yeah, I've never seen. I've cool seen it. I would... What's wrong with you, buddy? I, I I would say it's a no-brainer for me. I would totally erase Hook because I, I agree with you guys. What was I mean, erasing Hook do to Spielberg's career? Did he need to do that to bottom out to then refresh with Jurassic Park and then Schindler's List? I mean, oh, don't you think he was kind of gonna? Do you think he was gonna do that regardless, though? I he just didn't need to make. It. He wasn't. His heart isn't in it. His his heart isn't in it. 
his heart isn't in Hook, so I'm like, I and he like he's just coming off always, which is also like a flop for him. Um, <laughs> was in that but one. Hook wasn't a flop though. Hook no, did well, so bad. No, I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying, always was a flop, like financially, it just didn't do much. And then Hook was a flop, as critically, like it's probably, I, if I had to guess, it's probably his worst reviewed movie. If I had to look that up right now, uh, Hook or Always probably are the two. It's funny, they're right, they're right in there, aren't they? It's a, it's a little that fallow period. Although I just watched Last Crusade, that's a great movie, so I can't include that one. But yeah, I don't know. No, he had, I, a, good, he had a good yeah, late '80s run because he did what? He had like uh, what? Empire of the Sun, Color Purple, and uh, those are all good. Yeah, I mean, Empire of the Sun, I think it starts to get get away from all. I think that's like his divorce period, right? Like, yeah, no, I'm, you, not, I'm, one of, I'm not like saying 40... these are to me. I'm not saying these are Spielberg's best, but I am saying, as far you know, people, that, that's a good set of movies right there for a filmmaker that's made a lot of great movies. It's like a nice little set between them: the uh, Empire of the Sun, Color Purple, and then what? An Indiana Jones movie. It's like I did two I prestige picks, and then uh, this fancy uh, blockbuster deserves, deserves. I think always deserves a little more love. I think always is pretty good. Always Focus has always. Always, always has a 65% on Rotten Tomatoes. Hook has 28. Hook is by far his least yes. rated film. <laughs> Hook is rough, man. Hook is really rough. Well, I, I, where's 1941? 1941 has 36. So oh, it's, I love uh, It's beating Hook. Oh, <laughs> as far I've never as. Uh, seen 1941. Awesome. <laughs> 1941's hysterical, unlike any other Spielberg movie. But Hook is. It just feels like Hook is like. I, I remember reading in Premier Magazine the month that this is going to date me, but when Hook was coming out, and like I remember reading the article, and in the article Spielberg's talking about how excited he is about this next movie, which is about dinosaurs being raised from the you know DNA and amber, and I was like, yeah, that's the movie that's going to be good. He doesn't even want to do this Hook movie. Yeah, that's <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it, isn't it? It's got a following. Oh, it has a huge following. People love Hook. People listening to this podcast are like, I'm turning it off right now because you're bad mouthing Hook. My favorite movie, Rufio, Rufio, Rufio. Like that's what they're saying. The worst. <laughs> Fights is the worst. <laughs> that food fight scene with Hook oh on the God. island. Yeah, oh, it's embarrassing. We're all those. We're all those starving kids. Play with fake food. <laughs> I almost, you know, I gotta say, I almost wish it was Michael Jackson that had played that. At least it would have been a different, interesting, weird movie. Like, I don't know. Didn't you want to do that for a long time, Michael Jackson? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. He can't pay you lobbied to to be Peter Pan. It would have some value to me if it was just this weird Michael Jackson thing. Spielberg's a producer Instead, on Cape Fear. Wait, who is Spielberg's a producer on Cape Fear? I just I'm looking at this Rotten Tomato thing and it says he's a producer on Cape Fear. Cape Fear and he traded Scorsese. He traded projects. I think Schindler's List is that what he traded? Like he and Scorsese traded projects. That's fascinating how, to me. <laughs> the idea of that. I think it was Schindler's List. Both great movies and they're in very different ways. But All right. wait, wasn't wasn't also um this isn't really trading, but. Wasn't Michael Mann supposed to do The Aviator? And he produced it, but then it's Scorsese. Yeah, that yeah, was going to do it for a long time. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he's um, on the commentary there with uh, whoever Scorsese and everybody. Michael Mann's on there. Interesting. Just in, in the back of the room, <laughs> guys. Guys, I got these digital cameras. They're going to be great. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> All, the, all that out of the way. Uh, so, so Peter, you're you're saying it's easy for you to erase Hook, even though you haven't seen the Sandlot, right? Because I'm, I'm I'm sure Sandlot's fine, but I mean, I would rather not have if 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 getting rid of Hook makes Spielberg's track record better. Like, because um, <laughs> I also also I don't know. Like, I kind of like what Yancey's saying, which is like, is that do you need that? So that he kind of changes as a filmmaker, 
but Hook was a hit, so I'm not sure. I mean, it's, I don't know it's a moderate hit. Thing. Like, it's not like it was this giant blockbuster that defied anything. Like, it, exactly. it, it made money. Like, it was a Christmas time movie that made money with big stars in it. Like, that's 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 what it is. I you know I, I know what you're saying, and I, what doesn't help is that neither of you guys are huge Sandlot fan. One of you hasn't even seen Sandlot. It's, <laughs> it, but like the there is there is a pop culture element in both of these. There are lines from Hook that are very much remembered and repeated, but there are lots of lines from the Sandlot there very much. They're on T-shirts and posters all the time. So. I'm missing them, and I don't care. Sandlot has passed through me completely without leaving any effect. Yeah, it's basically it's just a very tame stand by me. That's what the Sandlot boils down to. It's fun. I like the Sandlot a lot, but it is like yeah. it's fun. But I honestly I'm probably never gonna see it. <laughs> so like you're talking about is I'll go to see it one day and it'll just be an empty room and there'll be no movie. Like, oh that's right, I chose Hook. I, I, I don't can't, know. I can't wait for all for all of us. Like to like Ana and I, you guys, Abe, for some reason he's down in LA, we all go to like some Senespia screening at the Hollywood Cemetery to watch the Sandlot. <laughs> Like, do a live commentary. Watch that happen in the future. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to finally click this thing so I see what the results are. I hope I'm not disappointed by this. Wow. It's really close. <laughs> okay. So this is what happened. I just clicked the Sandlot, because obviously. And um, the Sandlot did win very, very narrowly. Uh, one of our most voted in polls, which I was not surprised by. Um, the Hook has 46%. The Sandlot has 54%. So... Pretty much, de- I might have been the deciding factor in this. <laughs> Actually, I'm looking at this, um, but yeah, that's uh, there we are. Uh, the the Sandlot uh, gets to remain a movie, and Hook I get to erase from existence, which I take much relish in. I'm not even going to sugarcoat that. <laughs> I'm going to put it on tour. So I think the last time I talked to you guys about this, I, I I joked about the concept of us not keeping continuity. We have since been keeping continuity of the fact of movies that we've erased from existence now. So uh, I have a running list of all the films that we've erased, uh, which I'm adding Hook to now. Uh, so even I no longer mention any of these movies on the podcast. <laughs> so, if, if it comes up in any questions, I don't know what anyone's talking about because it doesn't exist as far as the show is concerned. So yeah, that's the poll. That, that's what happened there, guys. Uh, we, I just got rid of Hook. Uh, but I feel very proud of myself for it. So there you go. Okay, let's uh, let's move away from that. Let's get to, let's get to uh, our uh, trailer talk real quick. Uh, let's, let's go over one new movie trailer because uh, I wanted it. We haven't talked about this um, as of yet. And Christopher Robin's release seems like a perfect time to get into it. Um, it's a trailer for Dumbo. Um, this is the upcoming live-action remake of the film, the animated Disney film Dumbo. Um, Tim Burton directs. Um, it has a cavalcade of people in here: Colin Farrell, Michael Keaton, Danny DeVito, Ava Green, Alan Arkin. Uh, you have Aaron Kruger writing this, which gives me a little bit of pause as I say that out loud. Uh, but let's uh, let's move into it, guys. Oh, uh, only bit, yeah. Yancy, what, what do you think of the trailer for Dumbo? I thought it looked good. I thought it looked good. And did you notice is Danny DeVito playing the same guy from Big Fish? It looks like he is that same ringmaster character Certainly with the long hair. Seems to have a look going. That's for sure. I, I would. I don't put that past him. Uh, you know, it looked good. I'm sure, like everyone else, who you know, I love Tim Burton, and, I, and I'm waiting for him to sort of re- return to his his um, peak strength. I don't think it's it's been a bit a little while since he's made a really good movie. I think so. He's gonna have to do it again eventually. Um, he's a talented guy, and this looks pretty good. I mean, I had no idea what to think uh, they were going to do. They're going to do a Dumbo that's not really based on the the, the, the plot of the 41 movie. How is that going to work? But it looks good. It looks interesting. You know, I mean, uh, it looks beautiful, and uh, we'll see. I mean, I like Colin Farrell a lot. That's a good sign, and uh, it's nice to see Michael Keaton in there again with, with, with Burton. So, I don't know. I got a good feeling about it. 
It's a very short trailer, but I'm curious. I love, I love the original. I think it's a great American movie, um, you know. Um, but uh, but uh, regardless of uh, certain ugliness stuff, but uh, you know, we'll see. I'm, I'm curious. Did you like Big Eyes? I liked Big Eyes. I liked it. I didn't love it. I thought uh, I thought it was pretty great, except I thought what's his name was totally miscast. Uh, Christoph Waltz. Waltz. Christoph Waltz, I thought he was miscast, and especially the scenes toward the end where he, where he sort of goes daffy in court, I thought really kind of ruined the tone, strangely. Loved the script, loved Amy Adams, um, but I thought Waltz was off for, for some reason. I, I like it, though. It's good. Yeah, like, I don't know if it was a Waltz thing necessarily or not, Like, I, but I could see what you're saying, because it does kind of, I just like, because I, I wanted to like Big Eyes a lot more than I ended up you know, liking it because it got it, it got quite a bit of praise, but I was just like, yeah, I think it's fine. It, and it had the Ed Wood writers too, which was like, this should be this should be great. This should be a great thing. And I was like, yeah, it's good. It's good enough. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Peter which made me wonder. Oh, sorry, I, I mean, I, I yeah, I liked Big Eyes. I um, you know, it's funny because I, I know it's a different trailer, but have you guys seen the trailer for Colette? It kind of looks like a similar plot with Kira Knightley and the guy from The Wire. Oh, uh, I, I haven't seen the trailer. I know what you're talking about. But it basically shows she, right, it's she, I think it's like the 1800s, and she, she basically ghostwrites this book that becomes really popular, and then the husband is taking credit for it. Uh-huh. I liked Big Eyes. No, of course not. Yes, you're right. Absolutely. Considering it's the guys who wrote Ed Wood, it's nowhere near that or whatever. But I got to say, I, I think the Dumbo trailer is okay. Um, but there's something, something happened with me around... Alice in Wonderland, I guess, where it's almost like, and obviously I can't prove this, and I am not a conspiracy person, but if I was a conspiracy person, <laughs> uh, okay. um, there's a part of me that feels like these these posts, I guess, yeah, like Alice in Wonderland on these kind of magical Disney Tim Burton movies, they're not Tim Burton movies. It's almost like they're just made by the factory of Tim Burton. It's almost like Tim Burton died, and then they're just like, oh, this is what a Tim Burton movie is. Like, I, Whereas Big Eyes... To, to be I'm fair, like, oh, Alice in Wonderland and Dumbo movie. are like the only ones that fall into this camp. I mean, that's that's that's, that's, that's all he's done <laughs> in this area. No, wait, wait, no, wait. Uh, There's Frankenweenie, which is his own thing. Oh, you know what? I never saw Frankenweenie. Uh, that's a good point. Uh, and uh, you know what? And I did not see Mrs. Peregrine or whatever. Which is a Fox movie. it looked like that same vibe. That's a Fox YA novel. I mean, that's that's what that movie is. How I mean, was it? I liked it okay, but yeah, it's certainly not. I mean, yes, it's been a... Uh, was it Sweeney Todd's the last time I loved a, a, a Tim Burton oh, movie? Oh, Sweeney, Sweeney Todd's great, yeah. Um, uh, Sweeney Todd's fantastic, yeah. That's his last great movie, too, I think. But I mean, what you're saying about Alice Wonderland is exactly what I think about Alice Wonderland. It just feels like... The obvious, the most obvious thing to do for Alice in Wonderland was get Tim Burton, and the Tim Burton that showed right. up was the factory version of him. Which, yeah, I mean, it's it's an issue. I it's a similar issue I have with um, Drag uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, where it's like we made a movie about this that resembles David Fincher so much, and then the American yeah. and the American remake is directed by David Fincher. So it's like, oh, okay, well, that's a good that's a good comparison. I mean, I, I probably prefer that. But I no, yeah, I think well, because Fincher, yeah, Fincher's, Fincher's not one that phones it in. That's the difference. I think. Burton can, or at least he rests a little bit too much on things that don't feel right as far as his production design goes that worked for him really well back in the day. He seems to be going through some sort of a, of a creative crisis of late, but I mean, I think most, I mean, we were just talking about Spielberg had a little bit of a bump there. Yes, Burton's has been a little longer, but again, I think all three of us would agree, even Pete, who's kind of repeating the sort of standard line that you see out there now about Burton not being, I mean, I'm sure Pete would be happy if, if 
this new thing was 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 great. And I mean, you know, like it'd be nice, but we kind of need Tim Burton back. He can't be like you're saying, Aaron, like when he's not trying that hard, it's not good enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Spielberg can not try that hard and he can pull it off. But I think Burton, you can tell when he's doing it for the money, you know. Um well, here's the so with this movie, because I, I like this trailer as far as it sets up something that I'm looking forward to seeing, which is what a trailer should ideally do. And what I'm seeing here is regardless of how Tim Burton it is, I'm very curious what a live action Dumbo movie looks like. With that said, I can see why Tim Burton would want to do this. Like it's about this outcast quote unquote yeah. freak creature that lives in a circus that meets up with a you know, a, like a band of other quote-unquote, like, you know, freak characters using kind of circus lingo. I'm not trying to insult anybody. Uh, and, you know, succeeds despite, you know, things going against him. That seems like a Tim Burton type of story, an underdog an underdog story for Peter, as you would say. Uh, but with, yeah, with the like, elements yeah. of, like, kind of the absurd or the fantastical. Like, that sounds Tim Burton-y to me. That sounds like inherently, like, that would work for him. And he has, like, his cavalcade of, like, stars that he, you know, he has Keaton, DeVito, and Green, who have been in a lot of his movies. Keaton especially, like you mentioned, Yancey, I, I, I like seeing Keaton back in a Tim Burton movie that 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 made me excited when I remember that was first announced. It's like, oh, Keaton's gonna be all right. Let's see this. Finally, we can stop talking about we can stop talking about Beetlejuice two for a hot second, get into a different movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and yeah, Fer- I'm a big Colin Farrell fan, so you know, I I look forward to seeing that. I think the 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 one thing I'm not anticipating is watching Dumbo again, the original Dumbo, because I have not watched that movie in probably like many many years because it's so sad. Um, so, Very but sad. but but I know. I always thought they pull at the end of the movie. He's back with his mom, so it's not. It's just that sad scene where Baby Mine, which is the saddest scene you'll ever see in your life. Well, it's a mix of <laughs> it's a mix of the sad part as well as the kind of the dream stuff that gets really psychedelic and weird. And I think that scar I think that scarred me a bit as a child because I have not. Again, I have very little memory of the movie because of how much I did not want to watch it again. <laughs> so. Regardless of some of the of some of the things. That- haven't aged well those first five disney the pre-war those first five are really like to me those are high art american masterpieces what would you like, wait what are the first five snow no, white no, pinocchio bambi dumbo fantasia fantasia okay. um, is my is, you know, is one of my favorite it, oh, on, on a given day might be my favorite disney movie so it's like amazing it's an amazing movie but i can see having real affection for that disney uh, for the original dumbo it's got that real you know it's got that from the early days of animation where they weren't really sure they were making it for kids or adults. It was kind of just, they were just trying something new with these feature-length animations. So they do have this, I, I don't want to use the word darkness, which is overused, but they have a real sort of a richness and a flavor in the Pink Elephants on Parade where Dumbo gets drunk. is That's a great scene, but yeah, it's like it predates psychedelic imagery by 25 years in, in American uh-huh. movies, but like... Anna and I watched That's Anna and I watched cool. Pinocchio not too long ago. Um, I had to review the Blu-ray for it, the new like the, the latest edition of the Blu-ray, and that movie's wonderful. Like I hadn't seen Pinocchio in the longest of times, but like the animation there is so like fascinating to see. Like you know, in an age where I see you know all these other you know CG movies, and and you know, as good as those you know a lot of them are, and as well as like the stop motion stuff from Leica and whatnot, you know, it's neat to see like you know just hand drawn like just. All you know, all of that work done in that and that at that time at that level and like kind of the layers that you have to do to make all that stuff work, uh, you know, it absent of computers awesome. and everything, like it just it's great. Like it's such a great film. It could yeah, and it's like I lo- I love a movie like that. That what's good about it is because not it's not going to ever age. It's never going to Ex- age. Yeah, exactly. So animated. You know? I was I watched you know a couple of months ago with my with my girlfriend. I watched Cinderella, the animated Cinderella, for the first time in a long time and. There's a scene in there, you know, the scene in there where the fairy godmother comes down and she gives her the pumpkin and everything. 
like every time she spins her her wand around, this little trail of stars and, and like little sparks come out every single time. It had to be animated at frame at a time, and it's such a ridiculous uh, embarrassment of riches in terms of creativity and 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 you know, just guys trying real hard. Like <laughs> I, I love yeah those yeah and Dumbo especially is is, is you know for sixty five minutes long. It's 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 a, it's a pretty you know it's like Citizen Kane or something right. well, for me. Well, we got this Dumbo movie coming out uh, next March, March 29th, twenty nineteen. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll see where that goes, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very curious. I, I, I want to know what this movie can do as far as how it takes a story, what Tim Burton can do with it. Um, I have no doubt it will make money (laughs) because these movies do that. Um, but, uh, I'm curious how far that will go. Well, wait, just, just quickly. Um, what is your Yancey and Aaron, what is your, um, I guess, your favorite of what we would see is these kind of um, last few years of Disney doing live action versions, right? So we've got Cinderella, Beauty and the Beast. I don't know if we would include Maleficent because that wasn't really a remake. No, I mean, yeah, oh, would? You, you, I, I, would inc- I would include that. I mean, as far as okay. d- d- Disney uh, so taking cla- these classic animated characters and putting them into a live action version, I would include. I mean, Maleficent's terrible, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah. But... <laughs> What would you, yeah, what's to, what, for you guys, what do you think is the best one so far? I think it's Cinderella. Cinderella, yeah. Yeah, I think Brenna, Brenna did a really great job, like, and I think casting's great, and yeah, that's my favorite one. I think, what about you? I think, I think Cinderella or Peach Dragon are probably, like, the... Oh, I never saw Peach Dragon. Oh, I never saw I, Peach I, Dragon. I, I, yeah, I, I think those are the best made ones. That said, I, I really, I know Yancey's not a fan. I really enjoy Jungle Book. I, that's, that's what I'll, that's, <laughs> that's... <laughs> That's the one. That's the one I'll rewatch the most of these so far. Like I, I really enjoy that movie. I enjoy. I did enjoy that. I, I enjoy I, the work yeah. that's done there. I, regardless of the, the the lack of style that Yancey needs needs from John Favreau, apparently, I I do like the movie quite a bit. I think it's a, a really compelling story. <laughs> yeah, you do. Hey, interesting analog. We hadn't thought of this, but. Pete talking about the Tim Burton doing the Disney movies doesn't really count, but there's definitely a lot of allusions to the Disney uh, uh, Headless Horseman in his in his Sleepy Hollow, which oh, also bodes well. Oh, for, of course, for yeah. Sleepy Hollow being my favorite Tim Burton movie. So yeah. well, that's your favorite Tim Burton movie. It's my favorite Tim Burton movie. Is it? Is it quote unquote the best that's Tim Burton movie? I mean, Not necessarily. I, I, I like it, but you think it's better than? Beetlejuice or Ed Wood or even Batman Returns. I think. Really? I th- wow. I, th- I, I think. I think Ed Wood is probably his like his best movie as far as him as a director taking a great story and putting that to work. So, uh, Sleepy Hollow. I love it though. I think Sleepy I Hollow do, is do like, like Sleepy it's, Hollow. it's it's a it's a great yeah. Hammer horror movie that Tim Burton's got it and is. It, it is. It, it's wonderful and it's 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 highly rewatchable. Uh, I mean, the, the best Tim Burton movies—they're—they're they're all—it's all splitting hairs at that point. So, I mean, but I mean, <laughs> I really like Sleepy Hollow. I love Sleepy Hollow. It's a great yeah, it's a, the it's cinematography great. and the, the the beheading. The movie's terrific. If, I, I do I, again. I I believe Oscar-winning cinematography. If I'm not mistaken, I, I, I got like three Oscar noms. I think it will. No, it won. It won Art Direction. Sorry, it was nominated. We'll talk for, about the absolute moment of but, like, and it's Lebeski. It's Lebeski yeah, that did some of that, which makes perfect sense. You know, like. <laughs> Johnny Depp is so good in that, you know. It's... Yeah, I agree. One of my favorite moments in like a Tim Burton movie is when uh, Johnny Depp's just been told that he has to find the tree of the dead. He tells like the the kid in Christina Ritchie's like, "We got to go find the tree of the dead," and he's like, and the kid's like, "How will we find that?" And he's like, "Rather easily, I'm sure." Like it's just it's such yeah. a yeah. It's called the tree of the dead. I think we'll probably know when we see it. <laughs> 
I'll watch it again. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so that's Dumbo. Let's move on. Let's uh, let's start talking about some movies we've seen. Um, and first up, I'm going to get into uh, Christopher Robin. Um, so, <laughs> this movie, uh, Christopher Robin, this is the Mark Forster adaptation, uh, or I guess kind of reimagining of... It, it's weird. It's not a remake of it. It's just Christopher Robin as an adult reconnecting with his friends from the Hundred Acre Wood. <sighs> I wanted to like this movie. I think there are a lot of elements here that could have worked to make a better movie. I think there's a plot they could have went with that would have made a good movie. But the thing that they chose to do was not great. Uh, the idea is you have Ewan McGregor as older Christopher Robin. Uh, and he's left behind his friends. And now he's a man. He's, you know, he's an adult. He's, he works at a company. Um, he has a wife and a kid. And he has to work a lot. And... In a different, in a movie, the general premise of the movie is that he works so much and he has to, he he can't spend enough time with his family. And then Winnie the Pooh comes along and it like it reignites his imagination and whatnot, and he becomes a better person. That's that's like a basic story. You get that in a lot, and that's fine to an extent. It's a bit shallow and dated. That the you know, dads need to work less is like the basic message. But the way we're, like yeah, be a movie that existed that was about that, but I can't remember what it was called. Wait, isn't this basically Hook? What I don't talk. Yeah, that's not a movie, Peter. What? We don't... <laughs> wait, 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 what? That's not a movie anymore. Oh boy. Wait, I, wait I, I, I. There's. I don't know what movie you're talking about. It does not exist. No, no, Christopher. It sounds like what you're saying, Christopher Robin. <laughs> that sounds like it's basically Hook. Peter, He's, you keep mentioning some title of some movie. Watch. We don't know what that movie is. <laughs> Christopher Robin oh. is the original concept. Oh, 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 I, yes, I'm sorry. I'm slow to Okay. Now, now that we've gotten past that nonsense. Uh, so here, here's the thing. I, the, it's the, in the forest, man. The basic story of this, yes, it's familiar. That said, the way they present Christopher Robin to me, it's like the movie's punishing him for not being wrong, and I'll explain why. A different movie would make him like an adult where he'd be like cynical and he wouldn't care about the family he just wants to work he needs to get that work done he's all about the working making that money but that's not who Ewan McGregor's character is Christopher Robin is a good guy who doesn't want to not he doesn't want to miss time with his family and he doesn't and the only reason he has to keep working is because his department is gonna like he has to like he has to fire other people if he doesn't get his work done which means that they won't be able to go to their families and so I'm I'm trapped in this scenario where Ewan McGregor's stuck as a great guy that needs, like, his imaginary, or not his imaginary, his real bear pal to come back and, what, delay him from doing the work he needs to so he can see his family. And so it's just kind of irritating that the thing that you came to see, which is Winnie the Pooh and his friends, and they're really well animated, the visual effects are great in how they bring them to life and everything, that stuff is neat to see, but it hinders him. The, them being there means that he doesn't get to do the thing he needs to do as a businessman um, to, in order to achieve that time of his family. Now, the movie, obviously, is going to work out. Like, it's not going to matter in the long run. But that's where my mind is with this. Like, it's, it's, good, it's done too good of a job of making Christopher Robin a good guy where it just feels annoying that even though I enjoy seeing it isolated, it's nice to see this, his friends again. But as far as the movie's plotting goes... It just, it upsets things. It's just like, okay, it's, you guys are in the way. Like, it's fun to see you, but you're like, you're stopping him from doing what he needs to do. And not to like rewrite the movie, but he does have like a daughter. And 
I think the better way you could have handled this is make it about her. Make her the character where he's like passing the torch on to her, but letting her have the friends now that he's grown up and he can and she can be a part of the Hundred Acre Wood and go on, you know, random adventures with her and just have him kind of in the background where he eventually learns to be like, all right, I, should, I need to work out how to spend time with my daughter or whatnot or do that better. But the movie that we're presented with is just like this old man, not old, he's Chris, he's Ewan McGregor, he's whatever, but like, he's just kind of, he's a good guy. Like, there's nothing like inherently wrong with what he's doing, but the movie's like forcing you to want to frown on him for making decisions that, you know, a responsible father has to make. Are the, are the, are the, the character, are the, are the Hundred Acre Wood characters, do they have physical reality in his world? Uh, yes, they, they, this is this is not a film where you're it's it's not ambiguous about the idea that these characters not exist. Yeah, they're, they're not imaginary friends. It's as much as I very much want to entertain that idea when I first saw the trailers that they would just be like, oh, only he sees Pooh or maybe he doesn't only see Pooh. And it's just weird. It's not that they're completely real. Like there's no there's no mistaking it. They, they exist in reality. There's no Wait, revelation where the news goes around the world that stuffed animals have come alive. No, they don't, they don't do that either. There's just a lot of like <laughs> it's set in the 40s. Like it's set in post-war London. And there's a lot of like, did that bear just talk to me? Wide eyes face. Like that's kind of what you get. <laughs> <laughs> It's a lot of that. It's a lot of that kind of stuff. Like, wait a minute, that bear grabbed that balloon. Whoa! It's it's yeah. They they, they sound exactly like that too. I'm crushing that impression. Uh, so <laughs> I saw that I was a little bit like, ooh, that's a strange choice. Yeah. Uh, just finding Neverland is why he got it. Right. Yeah, Mark. So yeah, Mark Forrester. I'm not the biggest Mark Forrester fan, which also didn't necessarily. And so in saying that, the direction of this movie, like. It takes the melancholy nature of the Winnie the Pooh characters, like in the Hundred Acre, like it has that kind of that tone that you found like in the original like novel, you know, the books, whatever, and even like the other movies. Like there's that there, but it it feels uh, it it like it doesn't revel in the excess of anything. So it just feels very grim and moody throughout, as far as the tone of this movie goes. So it's like it's it's fun when you finally see like you know. Tigger and the gang like doing their thing and whatnot, but like you're present, you're mostly presented with like drab London with guy who's not a bad guy but is made to feel drab, and so it just feels really, it feels stuck, it feels stuck in grays, and it's just not very, it's not very enlightening to watch. Again, the 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 animated character like they work, like they look great. It's a very interesting mix of like how would a you know, a, a physical doll look in live in like in real life, this Winnie the Pooh character or Eeyore or any but any of them. And mixing that with like a you know, live action like it, it works to that extent, but as far as a movie goes, like, yeah, this is kind of another they just kinda of threw this out there and it doesn't work as well as other kind of stories like this and what you get as far as what you want to see, which is, you know, the Booney the Pooh and the gang having fun, like that's there. It just comes in the midst of the story that I could not like I couldn't find a way that it mattered. So, it's, yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at. Huh. I don't know. I'm not... Eh, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of movies right now. There's one that I might watch after this podcast that is supposed to be fantastic that I might get on VOD. Um, but, yeah, Well, what? Robin, tell, tell me what that movie is. I want to know. <laughs> oh, uh, I want to see First Performed. Oh, that's on VOD now? Yeah, well, I mean, it's on my iTunes. It's showed oh, up okay so like, well, oh, it's, it's, it's great you've seen it right <laughs> yeah it's just as drab as this movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it's paul schrader so you expect that <laughs> uh, yancy did you finally see it or no did I, oh not yet nope yeah it's supposed to be great like um well, but um yeah like there's a 
there's a there's a bunch of things um I want to see, um but yeah, Christopher Robin, eh, I just yeah, I'm not really I don't know like <laughs> and I do love I I yeah I like the cast but I would have eh. I would have liked to like this movie. I was looking forward to seeing Christopher Robin. Anna and I saw it. Uh, a lot of her family actually we all saw it and like they had a good time and that's great. So, like it, it's I'm I'm happy and there's a lot there's good stuff in this movie. Like I'm certainly not like. I gave it like an average score. It's like a two and a half or whatever, but it's like, you know, it, there's there's more that can be done. As in, a, in a year where I've had Paddington 2, which is amazing, and even Peter Rabbit, which I think does the human stuff really well. Oh, Peter Rabbit's good? Peter, really? Yeah, Peter Rabbit's solid. Okay. Like, it's it's a fun movie. Right. Like, it has flaws. It's not perfect. It's not Paddington 2. But, like, the things that it does well, it does really well. Like, it, it has the kind of... It has a tendency to be like, let's play a like a popular song on the soundtrack now and just dance around for a while. Like it has some of that going, but at the same time, like Donald Gleason versus James Corden as Peter Rabbit, there's fun there. Like they and they know how to make the human stuff work, like the real life stuff work. I'm not, I don't, it doesn't feel like belabored in the same way that this movie does. It just feels like oh, we gotta keep doing the business guy stuff. It's just like, eh, okay. But what I'm saying is, even a movie like that, which and you would see, what you would think is pretty throwaway, Peter Rabbit the movie it still accomplishes what it needs to well, where this movie, it just kind of falls short of doing that, which is a shame. Like, Interesting. Anyway, I ought to move on. I'll just not talk about this. Let's move, let's move to you, Peter. What, what have you, what, 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 name one movie you've seen recently and talk about it. Well, I've seen twice now. Um, <laughs> what you would call it? Uh, I don't know if I necessarily would have seen it twice, but my mom was in town today and she really wanted to see it, but I'm glad I saw it again. I saw the documentary McQueen about Alexander McQueen, the um, fashion designer who, died in 2010 who uh hanged himself um it was really good i have i have not seen won't you be my neighbor because i because that also gets really good reviews from just a a taste thing i was really i was really interested in seeing the queen because i had heard it was really good and i just i always really like documentaries about i i either like documentaries about kind of interesting people on the outside you know kind of like a great gardens or crumb thing or I like documentaries are about these kind of really talented people, but they're not necessarily in my own realm. Like they're not necessarily like filmmakers or something like, you know, I'm like, I don't know a lot about fashion, but I always find it interesting when I'm seeing stuff like that about a different kind of art form. Um, and I thought it was really terrific. And also the beyond obviously his collection, the, the two directors, because it's co-directed. I'm sorry, I don't remember what their names are. It's but uh, they, Ian Bonhote and Peter Etadiju. <laughs> right. Their, their um, kind of visuals that they did throughout, because I think, it, I think it's in like five chapters, and each one is like a collection that Alexander McQueen did from like, you know, 92 to 2009 or something. I think that's his last one. Um, mm-hmm. And the visuals that they do are great. Because a lot of times in documentaries, you are sort of saddled with basically... Uh, interview footage, you know, and this does have a lot of footage from the 90s and the, yeah, it looks okay or whatever, but the way they package it with all these other visuals, it's a pretty good looking movie. I mean, for a documentary, I was like, wow, this is a really good production. Um, so, yeah, I, I liked it a lot. I would say that so, about Three Identical Strangers. Um, I think it's... it's. I a, heard that's it's, great too. It's, yeah. a, it's a well-produced doc as far as... Because it has... There's some kind of recreation of things that happens that I, I think it's interesting how it's done. In addition to using the, like the talking head format and whatnot, but like it, it directorially, I was I was impressed by well, the kind of filmmaking touch that was added to it. Well, I would say the other thing that I think Yancey and I have talked about off podcast, I don't know if we've talked about it on your podcast, um, is 
when you're watching a documentary about obviously someone like, you know, a fashion designer, what is, I feel like something that has happened in culture consciously or not is that I think the three of us actually will see a movie or a show that we like. And this just happened to me with mission impossible. Um, I really liked mission impossible fallout and I was going to see it again. And a friend of mine was like, well, like, how are the plot and the characters? And I was like, well, I mean, it's Ethan Hunt, it's Tom Cruise. And my friend was like, well, I only really care if it's, you know, the plot and characters are great. I'm like, really? I'm like, you, the spectacle of Tom Cruise doing these great, that's not enough? Like, I mean, and this friend of mine also was kind of meh on Fury Road. And like, to me, <laughs> I'm, I get, a, well, I know it's weird, but, but I mean, Yancey, you know what I'm talking about. I don't, don't get me wrong. Yes, there are a lot of great, characters and plots especially in the realm we're living in now there are there is so much content with good to great stories but it really says something to me when i can watch a movie and i'm it's not really about the plot for me it's about all these other things and i would say yes if you're watching a documentary about a fashion designer the way runways are done yeah they can abstractly say oh i'm like one of his shows is about themed around jack the ripper but he's not telling a the close is not really a narrative the way we think of it. And I just really appreciate that. I really like seeing art that isn't just A, B, and C. Yancey, are you agreeing with me? I know you haven't seen this documentary, but does that make sense? Uh, I, I think I follow you. So, so would you agree with that? About You get tired of people saying it's all about plot and character? I just think that's too uh, sort of small-minded a critique of of something as big as movies i mean you know i know what you mean yeah i mean a two-hour movie can, can rely on things other than plot and character and still succeed it can just be spectacle and excitement for two hours it's not gonna it doesn't have the chance to develop plot and characters like six seasons of a television show so criticizing it for that scene besides the point but also it, but it, it does speak to like the taste of a person you know no one's required to like a movie because of it's it's designed to do this thing this way as far as right, what right. seems to be the main intent for a summer blockbuster, for example, versus what someone generally likes coming to the movies to go and see. Like they can't be blamed for not particularly liking that kind of thing. That's true. Right, but I mean, it's a movie takes place over like one night. It, it shouldn't be so. This idea that a character has to change is is not. It doesn't go hand in hand with just telling any kind of story you want to tell. Sometimes it doesn't take place over the amount of time it takes for someone to change in real life. So, you know, I'm just saying there are certain cases where plot and character take a backseat to other things. Oh, no, um, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't disagree with that, but I'm just saying you could I, could... I can argue in favor of a person that just simply doesn't respond to movies in the same ways that, that, sure. that place that emphasis absolutely. over others, over other things. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's more that I get excited about something and then they seem... Oh, go ahead, Yancy. I don't agree with you, Aaron. I don't agree with the idea of I respect someone who just wants to look at movies like their television because they're missing the bigger picture in a way that something I think is really important. Like, it's like, eh, no, I don't think so. I think grilling movies like their television shows and, 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 and marking them up is just so missing the point that it's hard for me to go, well, that's just one way of seeing things. I mean, yeah, everybody's free to think whatever they want, but like, you know, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, know. I... I <laughs> I'm playing devil's advocate, essentially. I'm not advocating for the idea that they, that the the line of thinking that they've chosen to adhere to is, <clears throat> un you know an unmovable way of thinking. I, I but I, if someone just generally like if the for this art form, if they choose if the only way that they respond to them is because they appreciate this aspect of filmmaking, 
then that's that's them. Like that's I, mean, I can't, I, is, I can't force them, them to suddenly that, start liking something differently. No, you're right. Except that you're you're right. Except that I think what's strange to me is that usually the, when I am talking to friends that are like that, a lot of times it seems like they're the ones who almost seem like they're the movie experts. And I'm and I'm not saying I'm the biggest movie expert, but I feel like I know something about movies by now. The example. Here's another example. If I'm saying, and, and I know, Aaron, you agree with me on that, and, and Yancey, you have never seen these. If I'm saying I, I really enjoy the Step Up movies, and this same friend who only cares about plot and character is just like, oh, that looks so dumb. How could you see that? That's so dumb. I'd be like, really? Are you really going to? Come on, you seriously think the character and plot is why? You know that's not why someone sees a step up movie. Yeah, it's and snobby. Why it's it, it's way. a snobby you know, way to like, think. I I understand yeah. that. I I'm not I'm not in support of this. <laughs> I can. It's just like, what am I gonna do? Like at the end of the day, like how how what how what am I what am I gonna change with this? <laughs> no, that's true. You're right. I will say this. I, I rewatched I rewatched um, uh, Black Panther, and I saw part of uh, Get Out, and I gotta say, I really liked. Black Panther. I do. I, I thought it had held up the second time. But there was like no question to me that when I put Get Out on, and and I guess these are both kind of movies about the black experience and they, and they are very hailed as that. And that's probably why I'm comparing the two. But there was like no question to me that when I saw Get Out just for like a little bit today, that movie is really like it's shot very cinematically. And like Black Panther, as much as I really like it, it it's that cookie cutter Marvel thing. It's like, it's, it's good. I mean, don't be wrong. I really like Black Panther, but it's like, yeah, there, it's just, it's, it's the assembly line. It's, it is because it's a MCU movie, you know, like it's just, I don't know. There was like no question. I was like, Oh my God, look at this shot and get out. Like, look at, look at what's going on in this. There's so I much think, in this shot. I think there's know? a, there's, like, a, there's uh, a presentation aspect that I can, I can get behind as far as how it's showing you certain things that does fall into an assembly line as far as, this is what we've come to know how Marvel movies will do certain things. But I do think there's areas involving the production design, the art direction that really shine as far as the, the amount of effort that's put into a movie like black Panther to not just establish something, but to really go a bit further as far as what it is to have an, have an African experience. I, I, I can, I can, I can see that being shouted down as yeah but it's a shallow way of looking at it. it's like well when was the last time you saw a movie at this scale presenting an african experience sure <laughs> sure mean, absolutely absolutely i was i, I, re- I, I if, you want to take, if you want to take this tangent one step further i was reading an article uh from Odie henderson he writes for uh, rogerieber.com about um, coming to america um uh, being basically the one of the blackest movies of all time because of the basically the entire african prologue that it has before it even gets to new york which further goes along with the how how black of a movie that is and i look at black panther's like this is pretty this is very much the same as far as it's not an independent you know movie it's not something it's the it's the biggest possible movie you can get it's a 200 million dollar movie about people in africa and as <laughs> As far as you as as far as it has to go to kind of adhere to a style that's you know worked really well for a studio, it still has areas it can color and it can color outside of to establish what else is going on here that I can appreciate. Uh, no, I agree. I agree. Yancy, what were you going to say? I was just like when you were talking about this idea of the people who like you know the person who likes them the only likes plot and character versus the the sort of more holistic taking. I think. It, you can make the easy metaphor and say, you know, some people are baseball fans because their father loved the Yankees, so they love the Yankees. That's their emotional connection. All they care about is whether the Yankees win or not. 
a good year the Yankees won, a bad year as any other year. They don't another baseball fan who knows all about every team and all the statistics and all the players and playing them against each other in his head. It's like two different uh, things. Uh, you know, and, and I think someone like Peter and probably the, all of us on here are coming from that other side where we're so movie crazy that we like gourmet food eaters. We have come to can appreciate movies for reasons that seem really odd to the average person. But it shouldn't because we all understand that there's gourmet food and that there's baseball nerds. and there's all. The, it's just a strange, it's a strange, there is a strange schism um, between the classical movie thinking and sort of the more modern version that Aaron was not defending but was sort of outlined. I'm just saying I understand that logic. I don't agree with it or support it, and I, you know, I would encourage someone like that to open their mind. Um, but I get, I get where that comes from. Like, it's, it's very, it's very reductive as far as a way of looking at an art form that has so many ways of expressing itself. But there we are. <laughs> and if they're just, you know, if that's the kind of thing which, for the most part, is a form of, I'm just saying this to be cool which generally it kind of seems to be at this point. Yeah, all right, do your thing, guy. Don't, you know, you know, knock down movies for not having a, you know, strong plot or character right. in your eyes. I, I would argue a lot of these movies, particularly Fallout or Fury Road for that matter, do have strong plot and characters. It's just not presented in the way that's the average way uh, when it comes to, like, some kind of depressing drama that, you know, that's the way you know how it, you know, works, but, you know, whatever. You don't have novelistic character growth. People like novelistic character or serialized character growth, where you're you're just with a character for so long that you do feel like they're changing. It's just not possible in Mad Max, even if it's a, even if it's a series. I mean, like that's all I'm saying is that people can get a little um, obsessive with this idea of falling for long form storytelling. Long form storytelling has a power that even if it's not that good, it can eventually kind of suck you in because it's so long. Uh-huh. You get involved, but you know. Yeah, it's my theory anyway. All right. Well, let, yeah, see, let's get to you. What uh, what movie have you seen recently you want to bring up? I'm still losing. You know, my friend's parents have been in town for the last 10 days, so we haven't seen anything new, but I've seen a lot of, like, red meat classics again, sort of red meat 80s, 90s movies again. That, and I always take a I always take a chance. Every time I watch a movie, if I've seen it before, I always try to see if I can sort of experience it in a different way. I never sort of – I try to never passively watch anything, even if I've seen it a million times. So, like – we watched all the Jaws movies over the last, you know, ten days or so. We watched Back to the Future two and three. You know what? You know what? I've actually watched Jaws three D and Jaws the Revenge this past two weeks. <laughs> I, I watched both of those movies. I think Revenge is actually a slightly better movie. It is. It is a slightly better. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. wait yeah. I, 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 I lost connection there. Which movie are you talking about? The Jaws series, Jaws three D and Jaws the Revenge. Oh, Jaws three D is. I mean, I have a, <laughs> I saw. Wait, but yeah, I think I've, I think as a kid I saw Jaws: The Revenge. Hey, what's going with Michael Caine? That's The Revenge. Jaws. Okay, I saw that one, but Yancey, you told me the one before it is terrible. It I is. Three D is terrible. It's really. It feels like someone took a took a, a weed whacker to it and chopped out like thirty minutes of footage from the last. Like it doesn't make any sense to you. You can't tell if the shark is inside or outside of the compound. It's really, really poorly done. I think they and, were just banking on. The 3D being the main draw, and, it, and it's also dull. It's a very dull movie. <laughs> it really is. It and and where I mean, I only I mentioned these because I've just watched those. I haven't watched Jaws two in like a year. I watched that like a couple years ago actually, but I like Jaws two. Like it's not, you know, it's not Jaws. 
but Jaws Two is a good Jason Jaws movie. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a it's a good it's a good like hey sure <laughs> let's make let's make a sequel. We made a lot of money that first time. Why not? And they like actually did a good job. Solid. And it still has like one of the best taglines of all time. Just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water, that's a brilliant tagline. That's a that's a great tagline. That's true. That is a good tagline. But 3D, yeah, 3D is like damn near unwatchable. You got like Dennis Quaid in there. It's just it's it's really bad. But Jaws: The Revenge, yes, it is also really really bad. But it's it has things going for it in its own weird way. Besides what? Um, Mrs. Brody, the, sorry, the widow Brody having shark telekinesis in this movie. <laughs> like, the, there's other stuff that kind of works. See, I mean, we're talking about compared to the third one, but yeah, it's not, you know. It's fun. Know. It's very it's very entertaining. Like, it's funny to watch. Like, it's not, a, not in a good way, but there's a lot of like, oh, that's a choice <laughs> kind of moments that happen. Like the shark roaring every time it appears, like it it, it makes noises now. Yeah, what's his name really? Mario Bad Peebles is kind of tough to take in that one. <laughs> yeah, J- Jamaican J- J- Jamaican Van Peebles. Yeah, Jamaican accent. It's a little bit like. Eh. And is it is it the last Starfighter? Is that that guy? What's his name? Oh yeah, um, I think he's the lead. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the who plays the older, the oldest Brody's oldest son. Uh, uh, Michael. Um, yeah, I can't think of the name offhand, but um, yeah, it's 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 not it's not a great movie. But it, I was, I think, yeah, I think it's because three D is so bad. It's like, well, this is this is watchable. <laughs> it's got that going for it. Okay, so you watched the Jaws movies. What else have you watched? Oh, what is that movie with Bruce Willis in the building where this terrorist and he's trying to the Hudson Hawk. Yeah, no. Uh, Die Hard, I watched again. Still not a big fan. Uh, <laughs> not that anyone gives a shit. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, Back to the Future 2 and 3, um, which was which was fun. Uh, I watched Them, the giant, you know, the giant ants movie. That was great. Oh, that, literally uh, Them. I thought, I, feel like you watch, I thought you were just reiterating the fact that you watched Back to the Future. You watched Them. Okay. The them. Ant, yeah. Yes, the ants. Um, Last Crusade. I also watched the, this past week, and and, and interestingly, I, I can I could sort of agree with some of the reviews that came out at the time that were praising it as being the first one that had actual character uh, actual character friction in it. Like, I think it's a pretty great movie. I've always thought it was pretty great, but like, if you didn't Bullet like Doom, that's a really satisfying redux of of Raiders. I think, and it might be. Be a better movie. I'm probably get crucified for. Mm. <laughs> Whoa! Well, yeah, that's yeah, that is edgy to say. I think well, I think Raiders is just very slightly overrated by all you crazy people. I think it's a little cold, a little I, bit. I a don't. Thick. Wow! Yeah, it's crazy. Like, I, yeah. it's the first one. It's the first one. You know. I, as I anyway. as I as I like to say, it's very easy for me to rank the Indiana Jones movies because it goes one, two, three, four. <laughs> like it's it's the. <laughs> I don't know. Three is really really good. I mean, three is really a strong movie. Oh, it really is. Spry. I mean, I, it's it's splitting it's splitting hairs for me with the the first three easily. I mean, it, I still I, Raiders is to me it's a it's a it's a tr- it's a treasured classic. I it just does everything that I want to really well. The other two, they have their flaws. Like Temple Dude does get, it, it starts to kind of drag a little in the middle a little bit there. And Last Crusade, I think it, it's just not, it's not that innovative to me. I think that's kind of my major issue with it. It's just kind of like, well, I'm just doing this again, which is not bad. It's it's doing a really good thing again. Like that's not a bad thing. I just kind of like, yeah, all right, 
cool. Sean Connery. That's great. I like that. That's that's a fun addition. But it just like Marcus becomes like an idiot all of a sudden, and you rehash a couple other things. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's the it's the Marcus thing that's particular that kind of bugs me. It's like, why is he an idiot now? Like this guy's like he he's a doctored professor or whatever, and works at a works at a library and all this stuff. He's like, how is he kind of a moron in this movie? That's kind of how they portray him. It's like, all right, Dan Hall. Yeah, uh, yeah. I know oh, they 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 had to expand him from a tiny little character in the first one to to a supporting in this one. I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, that kind of thing never bothers me. It's it's isolated to the one movie in this movie. Yeah. Acts like this, just like when you're a kid and you're reading comic books. In this comic book, the Hulk looks like this, and this other one will buy a different artist who looks like that. I don't know. It, it, that continuity thing is the least exciting thing about movies to me. The idea that he doesn't act the way he did in the other one or whatever. Like, that's not, I mean, that's not, that's not the the single thing that makes this bring, bring it down for me. It is a, it's an aspect that I am not a fan of by comparison. Yeah, I guess I'm not really either, but I don't, yeah, who yeah, cares? Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, let me see. Let me get to another movie I've seen. Um, the Darkest Minds, another other uh, another new release this week. Uh, oh, how is it? I I missed the screening. I, I didn't get to go. How was it? Uh, not good. <laughs> oh, all right. Um, like like terrible or just no, like, not okay. well, I mean, not terrible. Just more. I like that girl. That's the girl from Everything Everything in Rue, right? Yeah, she's Rue, and yeah, uh, Amanda Stenberg who plays the, yeah, the like character. And it's, and it's <laughs> let me answer some of these questions. Let me stop asking for a second. <laughs> I I think that it's the movie subpar as far as the kind of YA dystopian adaptation thing goes. Um, it presents me with an idea that like a premise that's pretty neat as far as like a, a virus just kills like all like almost all of the world's like children all of a sudden like under twenty years old and the ones that are remaining suddenly have special powers and you have a lot of and so like the government's like well that's weird we gotta cage them up immediately and so you get a lot of shots in the opening of children in cages well it's like this is randomly timely that's that's not something i expect to see um and then it just kind of proceeds along the standard plot of like the girl is a chosen type character she's like more special than all the other special kids around her you get the various adults. Some are more trustworthy than others. You get a hunky white guy that's supposed to like be her love interest. You get a couple colorful characters to fill out the supporting cast. It just kind of feels very by the numbers, which is not necessarily unexpected, but there are things you can do with some of these stories that I think could work in their favor, which is why I like some of these better than others. Um, this one, this is directed by Jennifer U. Nelson, who did the Kung Fu Panda sequels, uh, specifically Kung Fu Panda 2, which is terrific. And this is her live action debut and she does the job as far as using a minimal budget to make the most out of certain sequences. I wouldn't say the action's all that memorable or that the choice of scenery is all that, you know, kind of good <laughs> as, far as, as far as like making it something that seems special. It's just a lot of kids in the woods. And then, yeah, you, like you have a cast that's. They do their job. The the lead uh, Stenberg, she's she's good. She does her she's she's good in the film. She holds her own. There's something to be said about this, you know, being a a film directed by an Asian American woman uh, starring a, a a black lead among other characters, and how the film doesn't kind of kind of reference any of this. It's just like all these kids are who they are without that being a factor, which is neat. And of course, the movie's very much celebrating, you know, you're born certain ways and you do the things that you do and yay for you, like, and people are challenging you and that's bad. Um, there's good messaging there. And I'm very curious if the kind of the audience that loves these books 
or just the young audience in general, much like Wrinkle in Time, even though that movie didn't really make any money, nor did this movie. I'm curious if there's a younger audience that does respond to the things that's being presented here. Um, as it stands, though, it's just, yeah, it's just whatever. It's just kind of a, you know, they tried this one, and we all never see these people again because it made no money this weekend. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I I was it was it's, it is one of those ones that I yes I guess when it's on Netflix I, I do have a soft spot for the dystopian YA type stories but yeah that's pretty much what I was yeah like of these <laughs> like the the most recent one that I enjoyed was Maze Runner I I like that Maze Runner series I think that would help I heard the I saw part of the third one it seemed kind of pretty entertaining it has a lot of i I think what the best thing about those movies is west ball as a director like if you if there was ever an action director that needed a calling card it's those maze runner movies like yeah the stories you know everything you expect from these types of movies but the way they're directed is good like it's like i i wouldn't if he's drafted into these superhero movies at some point it wouldn't be surprising to me because he he proved himself as far as those films go Hmm. all right but yeah, that's Darkest Minds. It's in theaters now. It made a whopping, like, what, $8 million this weekend or something? $5 million. It was eighth at the box office. So not a not a good start whatsoever. It's still modestly budgeted, so who knows? But, you know, that's, that's where it is. Uh, Peter, what's another movie you saw? Uh, well, actually... Uh, um... Talk about The Spy Who Loved Me, because I know you saw it. Oh, oh, actually, I forgot about You mean The Spy Who Dumped Me. The Spy Who Dumped Me, sorry. Oh, I liked it. You know, the biggest comparison I would have to that is, like, The Heat, which is that I like... Kate McKinnon, I like Mila Kunis. They're funny. You know, the movie moves well enough. It's a little bloated. It goes on a little longer than it needs to. It's actually a lot more violent than you would think a comedy would be. I didn't mind that, but my friend who went with me, she was like, wow, she was like, it's kind of bloody. I was fine with that. Um, but yeah, I, I laughed a lot and I was entertained. And when it ended, like the heat, I was like, I don't necessarily need a sequel, but I would not mind seeing these two together in another movie again. Like, that was what I walked away. Like, I was like, oh, they make a good pairing. You only dump um, twice? Right, yes, yes. Um, but it was also interesting, too, because I had just seen Fallout for my second time. And so, you know, you, you know, it's like, now I'm seeing this goofy spoof of, like, you know, um, action, you know, spy movie or whatever. But uh, Is that how yeah, it plays? Does it try to play as, like, a, like, a knowing action movie? No, 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 actually, no, I shouldn't say that. Maybe it's not a spoof. It's just... I mean, no, you know what? It's an action comedy. That's what it is. I mean, or comedy action. Yeah. Like, no, no, actually, no. The action is played for real, and you're, and they're not really winking like, this is what a spy would do. Like, they don't really do that. So, yeah, I guess I, yeah. Um, although I will say that's not a genre that I think usually works for me. And the biggest case in point, since Yancey brought up um, not loving Die Hard, I'm never a big Ghostbusters uh, fan. And to me, Ghostbusters is one of the first, like, hybrid where it's like it's comedy but it's also kind of sci-fi and i i don't really love ghostbusters i think it's okay um and i'm talking about the original ghostbusters and this is like that but i just yeah, <laughs> you, I mean, you didn't even bother with the, the new one because obviously you hate the idea that women are ghostbusters now <laughs> no no actually I, I like the new one about the same i mean i like melissa Mc, i like the cast but my fa- i mean yeah so eh. but i feel like um there was oh you know what I've been watching lately at work? I, at work, um, at my job, I do a lot of promos for um, our old MGM movies. We have very different channels. So there's been a bunch of movies that I've been watching at my desk while I'm writing promos for them. And uh, one that I really liked, and I told Yancey uh, about this, and don't get me wrong, it's very big, 
it plays itself as if it, you can clearly tell it was based on a award-winning play. This is such a um, long I intro watched, to whatever this movie is. Yeah, <laughs> I watched uh, The Miracle Worker. Oh. Uh, M. Bancroft and okay. Teddy Duke. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. I mean, like, it, I don't know. I mean, of course I know, like, the, the, the log line of the Helen Keller story, but I haven't really watched the story. And I was like, oh, this is pretty good. Like, I can see why they both won Oscars uh, and everything. I think they both won. Um, but, yeah, I thought that was pretty good. Another one that I am halfway through that Yancey's a big fan of, and I'm curious to see what Aaron thinks. And I'm not not loving it, but I am not I'm not not liking it, but I'm not laughing as much as I thought I would be. Um, I think it's it's a mad, 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 mad world. I think it's four mads. Um, have you seen it, Aaron? I have the Criterion. So, so yes. do I. Okay. So what do you? I mean, okay. yeah, I'm about halfway through. And I love, of course, I love Jonathan Winters. I mean, he's like one of my favorites. Like, I really like him. Um, they haven't really used Jerry Lewis yet. He's in the That's opening it. of the he's car. He's not in the but he movie hasn't... anymore than that. He's in one cameo moment. Why do you expect more Jerry Lewis in there? Oh, wait, that was it? Oh, I didn't know yes. that. I didn't know. Okay, so you're saying it's mostly the six people that were, the, the, the main people who, who, who ran into the whole thing with, there's $350,000 you have to get. Like, that's the main people, and everybody else is just a cameo. Yeah, it's like a dozen people, but yeah, yeah, that's the main group. Um, I'll just, but, I'll, I mean, I'll just, I, I'll just note the Miracle Worker did win Best Actress for Anne Bancroft and Patty Duke. You're, you're correct. Oh yeah, that. yeah, and they're great. Um, but no, no, I'm liking Mad, Mad, Mad World. Um, I love that it looks like it's shot in like it's a gorgeous looking. Oh, it's shot in like pan, like a shot in Panavision, right? It's shot like yeah, right. it's no, it's Panorama. Sorry, Panorama, Panorama. Yeah, that's right. That's why they made the Panorama Yeah, it's gorgeous for that movie. Yeah, that's was like the premiere movie. I guess I'm just not like laughing like I thought I would be. I'm kind of like I'm like yes, I'm like I'm I'm entertained by this, but I'm not like oh my god, this is hilarious, like. But I don't know. I mean, well, but, because but, no, it's, but I know, it's not t- it's not a comedy from today. That's like we need a joke every two it's seconds. Not the heat. It's not the heat. Yeah, it's it's not a Paul Feig movie. Yeah, no, not, come on. I like a lot of older comedies. Don't put I me don't in that group. Do. Like I, I do. Yeah, but like Mad 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 World is like an epic comedy. It's like three and a half hours. It's 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 not it's not built to like it's not built as a joke machine. <laughs> I guess, like, look, I love a lot of, like, Billy Wilder. I love a lot of stuff from, like, the 30s, 40s. Yeah, those those are 80-minute screwball comedies. They're different. Right, I guess, (laughs) but I mean, I'm like, I do like, no, I'm just saying, I do like a lot of older comedy movies. I I, I understand what you're saying. It's just, yeah, A Mad, Mad, Mad World. Yeah, it's not a movie that's reliant on a joke every second to hold your entertainment. I know know you don't think that, but yes, I, with all that being said, I think it's it's good. It's not a, a favorite comedy of mine. Uh, it's one that I enjoy, and, and I'm actually inspired to watch it now more because you're bringing it up because I haven't watched it in a while. But yeah, it's not. <laughs> but, um, but uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's been uh, some stuff I've been watching. Um, oh man, wait, what was another one? Oh, have you guys heard? Because Yancey's good with like abs- kind of like obscure horror films, and now I'm going to say this, and you guys are going to be like, oh please, Pete, everyone's seen this. Here's another one I had to watch. Have you guys seen the video Dead? No, I never saw that. Oh, all right. I've got one that. Yeah, you got Aaron, one. Have you I, heard of it? I'm, no. What is the video? Or I'm trying. To, <laughs> let me look. A, let me look it up. Let me see if it'll be something I think I've heard. It's late of. 80s. It's um, television. 
that if you turn it on, there's like zombies, and then they come out of the TV. Oh, I know this movie. I haven't seen this movie, but I've seen this poster before. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's it's a pretty good, like, Z-budget, dumb kind of, (laughs) but it's pretty entertaining. Like, it's like 80 minutes. I was like, oh, that's pretty fun. Like, um, uh, but yeah, yeah, that that was pretty entertaining. So I like that. All right. Yeah. Let's see. Wait, can I bring up something? Yeah, go for it. Something I want to ask. I was out last night with my cousin and his friends, and his friends are also movie buffs, but um, they're younger than me. They're probably more, I think, like Aaron's age. And when I was growing up, the two big conversations that I would get into my, with my friends, and I think Yancey could probably say the same, and, and perhaps Aaron too, was, you know, what's better, uh, Star Wars or The Empire Strikes Back? Or what's better, Terminator or Terminator 2 or Superman Terminator 2? And as a kid, I always thought the sequels were better. I think I always thought Empire is better, Terminator 2 is better. And now that I'm older, for some, I feel like I've flipped on a lot of these movies. Um, I still love both. But so I'm out with my cousin and his friends, and their recent conversation is Batman Begins versus The Dark Knight. And, of course, the general thing is everyone says The Dark Knight, but there are a few that are like, no, 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 Batman Begins. And I was like, really? But, so I just wanted to see what did you guys – I'm just curious because I know Yancey's not a huge Dark Knight fan, so maybe he'll say Batman Begins. No, Dark Knight's the best of those three. I mean, I like hearing oh. Dark, I like hearing Yancey say Dark Knight and Best in the same sentence. That that irritates me quite a bit. <laughs> oh, it's a good movie. I don't mean to be so hard on it. I just don't think it's a masterpiece or anything, but it's a good movie. Uh, Aaron, what about you? Uh, no question. Just because the Dark Knight is, is to me, it is a, it, it's it's a fantastic movie all the way around. I think the things that. Nolan is doing in Batman Begins just get refined and bettered in the sequel. Is he he's more comfortable behind the camera at being an action director? Um, he's more assured in the kind of things he wants to do with that world. Uh, I mean, Batman Begins is it's very good. I've watched Batman Begins plenty. I love Batman Begins. I think it's a it's a fantastic. I mean, I'm a huge Batman fan, so I like I like these movies in general. I'm I'm inclined to like them, um, and so making a Taking taking elements of different um, you know things like Year One or what have you for Batman Begins and making that into a new story and The Man Who Falls among others, I was really I I was really happy with the results there and the casting I think was spot on. Dark Knight though is just like this entire escalation as far as what he was doing in the first one versus what he was doing in the second one where it works as the. Not, it works as like a superhero movie third, um, a crime drama first, and just like a. <laughs> a, a heat tribute second like it, it just has so much going for it for me but um it, i love it um i don't i don't I, I, and i know what you're saying as far as those kind of arguments is like what is what is better and how your things change over the years the dark that's not going to change for me there's never gonna be parts like eh, actually that begins i don't see that ever like being a thing where I, suddenly well, I, 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 that, I change my mind on this well i'll say this i think to go back to our conversation earlier about the whole plot and character thing i think that as a kid, and, and this is, I mean, due respect, I, I shouldn't say kid because I'm not trying to say that if you like this, you're kid, kid yeah, mentality. Peter's but 145. Reason, that's why he says these things. He doesn't know what he's right, talking I think, about. Right. I'm 100, <laughs> I think the reason that I prefer Star Wars to Empire Strikes Back is because what I really like about Star Wars, not the characters or plot. I mean, sure. I mean, I mean, yes, it's, I love Darth Vader and Luke. and It's that I'm like, wow, you know, it's really interesting. I almost feel like Star Wars to me almost begin is almost part is like the last part of the trilogy, which is graffiti, which is a uh, THX 
American Graffiti and Star Wars. And then Empire is more like, okay, now Star Wars is, you know, this huge mythology and everything. And when I watch the original Star Wars now, I really appreciate Lucas as a filmmaker. I think that's what it is. That's like change. But I wanted to say this that I think Yancey will be happy about. And I don't know about Aaron. Another thing that got brought up is my uh, cousin's friends, not huge Lord of the Rings fans, but some of them huge Hobbit fans. And I was like, what? <laughs> oh, wow. And I was like, they were like, Hobbit's awesome. And I was like, what? Like, I was like, wait, you don't think it's too long that they should have been three movies? And they're like, no, who cares? <laughs> but they don't like the Lord of the Rings. They think it's too dour. It's so slow. Oh, my God. Nothing happens. And I'm like, but... And I'm like, well, what about the, you know, because in Hobbit, the conversation was always, oh, that that dinner scene is like 45 minutes. And they're like, who cares? That's great. And, but anyways, Nancy, I thought you'd appreciate that. Like, oh, I love the, I love all of six of those Peter Jackson Tolkien movies, so I can't complain. But it's good to hear somebody championing those. I think they're, I think simply saying that they shouldn't have made three movies is not enough to dismiss the good work that's done in those three movies. It's not, it's not a substantial enough criticism to just dump them like people have done. Those are, compared to most big popcorn movies those are head and shoulders for me above anything in the last five or six years in terms of aaron Aaron, do you like the hobbits or do you think they're terrible i i think actually you're not a huge lord of the rings i'm not a huge lord of the rings guy they i think no well i I, so okay i'm assuming you're not thumbs down no i like i I like them and over the years um because i used to be all return of the king but now i think two towers is the best one um with that said, Anna and I just rewatched a Fellowship not too long ago, and I look forward to rewatching Two Towers and Return of the King. But that's it. Every time I watch Fellowship, I'm like, this is the time I'm gonna like finally get into this movie. Like I, not to say that I don't get it or I'm not into it, but like I'm gonna see what everyone else sees when watching Fellowship because I know a lot of people love Fellowship the most, and I just don't. I'm just not there. I just I think it it just doesn't quite click all the way. Like everything's done incredibly well. It's just not in a way where I'm like. This is this is everything for me. It just doesn't feel that way, and I don't know if it's like a separation between sci-fi and fantasy, where I just prefer sci-fi over fantasy. But I, I don't know what that is. Um, now, if the Hobbits, yes, the easy way to say it is, it feels like there's not enough story here for, to sustain all these movies. So I don't care as much about what's going on. That's that's the like that's the one sentence way to kind of sum up why it doesn't work for me. But I think it's just. I in the end, I just don't care about all this stuff going on. There's a lot presented to me, and it just doesn't make me feel anything, especially by the third one. Because I think the first two are fine. Like the first two, they do their job, and I, there's a lot of things about the production of them that I really admire. But the third one, it's supposed to be this culmination of things, as far as all these characters have worked up to get to this one point, and it just doesn't feel like anything. It just feels like all right, now it's this big action fest, and sure. Peter Jackson knows how to do this, so it, you know, it's staged better than the average version of this type of thing, but there's not much weight behind it for me, so I don't end up feeling anything. I got to the end of it, it's like, all right, yeah, that, that, that happened. It just felt like a lot of greedy people that wanted gold. Well, what's the, <laughs> well, okay, but to go back to our, our thing about the whole, because you're saying not enough to sustain the story, what is it about, certainly, going back to our original thing, when you're watching any movie, any Mission Impossible movie, I really don't think you're going, man, I really hope we get a, good, a lot of good character development on Ethan Hunt. Like, that is not what... So why can't the spectacle that Peter Jackson gives you, which you are saying is good, why isn't that enough? It's not. You guys are... 
is not the spectacle. Obviously, Aaron doesn't agree, but those the Peter Jackson Hobbit movies from the source material have regained retained so much soul and poetry and things that you can use as a human being in the real world. I mean, you can't. I mean, to me, the MCU, the best of the MCU movies, is not even within hailing distance of the weakest moment of any of those Peter Jacksons because they're so rooted. They're rooted in such poetry and. And, you know, it's just not, it's not even close, but they're not just spectacle. They're very, very dense. And I think people who don't love them, it's just it's just too much work to, to, to unravel all the denseness that's all just made up anyway. But... See, the, the, the thing the thing there, because I agree with you, I think the filmmaking in the Hobbit movies is, yes, it is better than the movies in the MCU. As much as I enjoy watching those movies, none of them have ever made my, like a top ten list of mine. Like Black Panther might at the end of this year. I fucking love Black Panther. <laughs> this might have watched a lot. I mean, it holds up very well on repeated viewings. Uh, but there, the entertainment value I get for those, maybe it's because I just read a lot of comics and I didn't read Tolkien. Maybe that's what it is. But it I just, never read any Tolkien in my life. Fair enough. I, 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 I'm saying what I'm saying is I can't identify the exact reasoning behind why it is that I appreciate what's going on here more than there, uh, without you know really delving into it and thinking about it beyond like, hey, this offhand question for Peter. But um, <laughs> I can say. I, I, I like my share of movies in a variety of different ways, and the Hobbit ones just did not click for me. It, it wasn't Look, a... the, the Battle of the Five Armies ends the very last shot of that movie and of the whole series. is just a shot of Bill, of, of Martin... What's his name? Martin Freeman? Martin no, Freeman, yeah. As Bilbo. Just a shot of his face, and there's some strange emotion playing over. You're not sure what he's thinking, and that's the end. And to me, that is everything that movies are, is what was that look on his face? What is this thing? What is he thinking there? Is he realizing he's getting older? Is he realizing he's going to die? That kind of stuff is so much what I live for. And there's none of that in Marvel. There's no substance or soul. There's nothing that can be decoded or thought about. Or I think this means that. It's all just completely on the surface. And those movies, I mean, you're talking about... You know, they, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I can I, tell you, I think you're undercrediting certain Marvel movies as far as what oh, they, God, things no, that they're David, actually trying to go no. for. But I can tell you this about Battle of Five Armies, that shot you're talking about, I have no recollection of it whatsoever. And I, I, I can't. The fault of the movie. That's your fault for not remembering. It's a great moment. It's a great <laughs> but if the, but if I felt the movie was better, wouldn't I have some semblance of understanding it? To, like, hey, that is a thing I recall. I can't. Well, but what does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. I mean, I, I, I would ask you to propose any moment of even slight ambiguity in Black Panther to me. I mean, like, there's nothing. Everything is well, you know wait. exactly what you're supposed to think about that when you leave. Wait, 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 wait. Well, wait. I see. Wait. I agree with Yancey that as a fan, I think the three of us all love subtlety and being able to decode things. And this is interesting because, hmm, is this why you? Is this why Yancey thinks that Raiders of the Lost Ark is a little overrated? Because Raiders is basically a five-star, not subtle, there's nothing to decode, but man, that is like balls to the wall, one of the best directed movies I've ever seen. But no, there's nothing to decode in Raiders of the Lost Ark, just like there's really nothing to decode in the MCU movies. Is that the problem you have with Raiders of the Lost Is it that? Because I, no, I would say that Raiders not of the Lost every Ark movie, I mean, oh, go ahead. It's a great movie. My only problem with it, and it's the same problem I have with, with Empire Strikes Back, is that as I've grown up and I've seen more Howard Hawks movies, it's harder for me to buy the slightly phony-ish Howard Hawks that uh, is, is in Raiders and is in Empire Strikes Back. It feels Wait, less what makes what makes it phony? It's not like Marion Ravenwood does not seem like a Howard Hawks girl, and she's supposed to be. She's supposed to be, you know, and, and, and it doesn't feel... 
it just doesn't feel quite as grown up or something. I don't know what it is, but it really doesn't... okay. I, I just I, I... okay. Because oh, well, then it sounds like it's okay. So it sounds like it's not the same problem that you have with MCU. So I, that that was just not me at trying all. to clarify. Okay, well, that's fine. Like I just because I don't. It's brilliant. It's just I just you know preference. Because I here. think you can have a good movie that we like that doesn't necessarily. Look, you know me. I love ambiguity and being able to of course i love those things but i not mean ambiguity. i'm talking about here's an image that is not meant to simply satisfy me and make me happy or make me sad here is an image that is meant to make me go hmm what is he feeling as he's come back to this long journey and now the rest of his life is going to be sitting in a chair for the rest of his life i, mean, that's I just don't think that's space. i don't know i don't think that's what the mc i don't think those movies are like that though yeah, like i mean the problem like, well not. but 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 that's intention i don't uh, yeah, see, you know, it's, it's funny, like, uh, like uh, making a television show accessible to the biggest possible audience. It is, but well, you know what? And then, and then, I'm sure, you know, I just I watched about 40 minutes of Justice League the other night, and while I still feel that it's kind of a mess, and I, you know, it's not great, I do feel that there are moments when I can feel, because especially that one's weird, but like, <laughs> there's moments when I feel that Zack Snyder, he has a point of view. That one's even because he didn't even edit that or whatever. But I mean, like Man of Steel and Batman Superman, like I'm like, yeah, that's a that is Zack Snyder. And he has the point of view. And he and I do think Zack Snyder sort of is doing what you want. But I think we all agree Zack Snyder's got a lot of other problems, which is why none of us think he's great. Right. Well, I guess we like Watchmen, but you know what I mean? I guess that makes sense. I mean, because Dawn of the Dead. Is great. But I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I know what you're saying. Yes. I mean, there's... yeah, I mean. Having having a good idea or having a way of wanting to do something and achieving that on on some level doesn't eliminate the idea. It doesn't eliminate the fact that there are other things that are going on that disrupt what's going to disrupt the overall experience. If if things that I mean, when we boil things down to what like to one thing that becomes this kind of mantra for why we didn't like something, what we knock it for, it's not necessarily because of that one thing. It's just because this thing didn't work for me and the best way i can express that you know to my social crowd is by saying martha like that i mean that's that's right. that's not the the sole problem with right. batman v superman is not the fact that batman said or superman says martha and then it becomes this giant right. thing it's just of course not right. it, it's right. such a it's a moment that can get isolated so easily because it's it's an easier to kind of isolate one thing versus right. the litany of problems. But that's, that's, glib, that's the essence of glibness it's not it is glib it is no it is, it is. that's what i'm saying i'm yeah, saying it is glib. I mean, and it's not a critique to simply say Martha is not a critique. I know. That's it's just everybody's going to go, yeah, I know what you mean, and roll their eyes. But that's not to be encouraged, that kind of groupthink. Although that... I do personally, I do like uh, Aaron's, uh, and it's probably glib, but I agree with Aaron that bigger problem for me is right off the bat that, what was it, that Helvetica font is not doing it. Was, are you the one that said that, Aaron? That, oh, yeah. The, I... the whole, that whole credit sequence is just... It's so minimal and lame, you know? It's so, like, Man, really You guys that's... have gone around the fucking band. The Hobbit's no good, and you're worrying about the fucking credits font? Don't think I have it. <laughs> no, I mean, if the movie's... Listen, I'm you just... have too much time on your hands. Yeah, see, it's just, it's the, I, and I, apparently I have to explain this thing again. It's the idea that this is a movie called Batman versus Superman. That's like, as far as, summer, as far as like blockbuster filmmaking goes, that should be like the biggest thing, right? Am, am I right in saying that? Shouldn't that be like a huge deal? 
Unless you're Zack Snyder and you're trying to pretend that it's something else. So, sure. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think he is, though, just given how grandiose the... How Storm and Drum and... Like, how how much stuff is going on in this movie. And the opening title is just like this weird perfume commercial where in the bottom corner it says, Batman v Superman. And before we get slow motion death of the Wayne parents again. It just feels so like... And then they correct it in Justice League. Justice League's like, here's a giant flag over the title screen that right. just gives you yeah, Justice League. <laughs> Um, but of course, yes, obviously, no, you're right, Yancy, that of course that is a meme and all that, or all those kind of things is being glib, of course, you know, and I am more of a defender of Snyder's imagery and stuff than I am a, a, a hater, you know, but I still can't deny that there's a lot of problem. My, my thing, which isn't a Hobbit thing, my thing is more that when I saw Black Panther for the second time, I was like, no, this is really great. And I told Yancey that I was like, no, 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 it's really great. I really like this. Like, I didn't even think it was. Oh, I didn't think it was too long. Usually, I think the MC movies are a little bloated. But then I saw Mission Impossible Fallout, and just from a filmmaking point of view, and I don't think Christopher McQuarrie is like Kubrick or anything, but like the the sense of scale and the geography of the stunts were just like it was like night and day. I was like, you end. Black Panther with essentially a cartoon scene with like, you know, two characters in the CG thing. And think about all the cool stuff we see in Mission Impossible. And I guess to me, I'm fine with neither of these movies being subtle. What I'm wondering is why can't MCU with $200 million, why, why can't they give us the spectacle of a James Cameron or, or I guess a Mission Impossible? That's where I feel these are not, that's where I feel it's weird. I'm not talking about the story. Stories are good. Stuff, I, I, but, I, I, know what you know. I know what you're saying, and I'd love for that to be a thing. It's just they're so comfortable yeah. with what they're doing, and audiences are eating it up. So it's hard for them to be like, I know. let's shift gears, guys. And <laughs> I mean, some would argue <laughs> that with uh, Infinity Wars, I would argue that it did to an extent. I don't. I don't, I don't think it's anywhere near the best action in the MCU. But the differing thing I can see between Mission Impossible movies and the MCU is that the spectacle is what you come for with Mission Impossible. Right. I don't yes. think I don't think the spectacle is what you come for in the MCU movies. It's there, but I don't think that's the highlight that's why audience respond in the way they do to it. I think it's because of honestly the characters. As thin or obvious as some people might think they are, it's those interactions between these high profile stars and new people that you've never seen before or are less familiar with and various character actors that all get their paychecks but also do their good job. That is what people like. They like that. They like they like seeing these people pitter patter together. Yeah, it's the da well, yes. I mean, ever since the Avengers, my favorite parts of MCUs are what I call the downtime. It's when they're just hanging out and they're talking, and it's just like, oh, this is funny. I just love like I, I like hanging out with them. Like, like I think the the party scene in Age of Ultron is like a top I love five that. Marvel sequence That's as far as fantastic. seeing yeah, these characters interact using Whedon dialogue and just being them fun their fun selves. Before James Spader goes and ruins everything. But yeah, so. Uh, by the way, so you, met, you mentioned McQuarrie as far as his kind of how he handles the action. We asked this question last week um, if McQuarrie is not necessarily if he's this person, but who is the best like modern action director in America, like Hollywood action director right now? Because it's. Again, I'm, so not, we, I'm not positing so that we, McQuarrie is this person, but at the same time. I'm trying to think of who else is doing this good of a job this consistently. Well, George Miller. 
George, yeah, he made one movie. <laughs> and, and it's, and it's, and it's yeah, yes, it's, it's, like it's the, the greatest, it, I mean, yeah, like, no, yeah, it is. better than Fallout. It's the, it's I mean, the, it's like, the, like it's the Fallout, best, yes, it is the best action movie probably for years, for decades to come, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, it is, yeah. So, and, and, but that's also like saying Cameron, and Cameron doesn't make movies very often either, so it's like, yeah, those that's are, true. those are easy Cameron's examples great, that I can yeah. point to, but it's like, well, who else, who else fits this criteria of being like the best working Hollywood action director these days? Uh... I'm sorry, I, listeners, if you were tired of this question, but I think it's a fascinating question. Well, I, what are what, the? Can you can you name me some options? Like what else? What names were thrown out there? Uh, I mean Spielberg, honestly, could be, could be named as oh, one. Oh yeah, of course. I um, I'm sorry, yeah, Spielberg, great, yeah. Um, and, who did the the Matt Reeves did the last two Planet of the Apes? He's pretty good. Matt Reeves, yeah, yeah. yeah. he can yeah, he, he stages action scenes quite well. Um, I posited Greengrass, uh, which was shot down because people didn't like Jason Bourne, but I mean. I, oh, I like those. Not, but not, no, the the re, the most recent Jason Bourne. Um, oh, wait, did he do the Jeremy Renner one? No, the the one after that, <laughs> when when he when he and Damon came back. Oh my god, I've never seen that. I think I own it. I never watched it. <laughs> I, I never totally watched forgot it, about yeah. that. Um, but I did like Greengrass for a while. Oh, you could also argue Catherine Bigelow. She's fantastic with Brad Bird, maybe Brad Bird. Oh yeah, if Brad he, Bird. If he did, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, Brad Bird. I mean, goes pretty. Yeah, well, pretty this, great. so this is the other one. Like Michael Mann, if he decides to direct any more movies, would be a, a choice. Yeah, I, I say Mann, this. Great. I think Justin Lin did a great job with some of these Fast yeah. and Furious movies, as far as this. I do. Goes. I think. Yeah, I think Jen, Justin Lin, even though his stuff is also very computer generated, like it's a the blend. Marvel stuff. They, they use that. But use but no, no. But I do. I he does. He does. He has a great sense of energy and yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I like the Fast and Furious. And, I mean, we have the we, and we have the you know we have the John Wick movies these days. Oh, oh those are great. Those, those are great. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's a weird one because I gotta say I I like John Wick. I love John Wick too. Are, are we all in agreement that Atomic Blonde's a little just okay? And that's the other director, right? That's David it's Leach. The, yeah, the, the the two of them. Um, oh, what's the first John? Chad is that his Chad name? Chad Stalls Stallsawick. Yeah, like he's that. the real deal. That's the guy. Like, I mean, well, now David Leach. He's did Atomic Blonde. He's doing. He did a Deadpool two, and now he's doing the next Fast and the Fast and Furious spinoff movie. The um, Hobbs and Shaw movie. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I really wish I liked. I wanted to love Atomic Blonde. Wait, do we all see this? We all see Atomic Blonde. I, I didn't like yeah. Atomic Blonde. I yeah, I think just, the the, got... the I think the action in it is done well. But... That one scene's great. I mean, the big. Well, there's more, I mean, take. yes, obviously that one scene's great, but there's that big there's, scene's there's, great, yeah. there's more than that one scene, and I think it. You know, the other action scenes are also good. I just don't think the movie overall is very good. But that's again, that was something shot down by the others when I reviewed that movie. So. <laughs> um, Yancy, did you ever see that one? Yeah, eh, yeah. not very good. Oh, you know who I? Not enough Lacare for you. You know who I don't know if I yeah, call him an familiar. I don't know if I would completely call him just an action director, but I think he's somewhat in this conversation, and I. I do like him. Oh, just name him. Just name him, please. The guy, the <laughs> the Red Sparrow guy, Hunger Games. Is oh, it Francis, Francis Lawrence. Lawrence. Yeah, yeah, he's got a great eye. Like he, he's he more. Can't... I mean, I'd say he's he's a he's a good visual director. I wouldn't call him a good yes. a great. I wouldn't say like of action directors. I wouldn't think of him as one of them or as one of like but the, but one the that's in the conversation. The scenes in Red Sparrow are pretty brutal. Those are pretty good scenes, man. I mean, like they the, the few scenes that are in there that are action. They're pretty good. I mean, do I, we I call those know. scenes of action or scenes of like suspense? 
I mean, do we equate people the two? are getting shot and stuff? I mean, like, yeah, but it's not like they're not like shootouts. It's more of like here's a here's a scuffle that escalates quickly into a a sequence of right. like you know something's gonna something needs to happen for someone to you know either live or die. It's not based around how good they can fight necessarily. It's more around the that's circumstances that's that's so, true. that so that are in the room with them. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying there. Uh, the guy who like, directed Skull Island is certainly one to watch. Oh, yeah. Oh, Jordan Vlog Roberts, yeah. I, and he's doing Metal a Metal Gear movie as his next project. So we'll see I can tell you with talent in five minutes watching that movie. Um, you know, Doug Lyman, I think Doug Lyman has actually proven himself to be a good action. He did the Firstborn, obviously, but he's... Doug Lyman for sure, yeah. But um, the Mr. and Mrs. Smith and... Uh, and then, obviously, uh, Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow, yeah. Yeah. yeah American Made, though, is not the greatest. Yeah, it's not no, I, but it's a solid movie. It's not a really good action. It, I, um, on it, I saw The Wall with uh, John Cena and Aaron, Aaron, the Aaron Stan, not Aaron Stan, Aaron, um, Kickass. What's his name? <laughs> Aaron Taylor Johnson. Aaron Taylor Johnson. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is, I mean, that's more of a thriller, but I mean, it's still, it's a sniper duel for an entire movie, and I think it. it, it no, I, I, I'm a Doug Lyman fan. I think he's had some misses, but I do think he's. I like. I look forward to projects by him. If it comes down to the fact that hey, Swingers was great, like I like seeing him succeed so much. Maybe that's what it is. But I still enjoy new movies that come from him. Who did? Who did? Um. So wait. Did so Macquarie? He did Jack Reacher and the Two Mission Impossibles. Who did the second Jack Reacher? Um, Edward Zick, Zwick, which makes it boggling because that movie's not good. Wow, <laughs> that's terrible. Yeah, that is. Uh, that is the. I think you and I both said that's the that is the first time where I mean you always can depend on crews to give two hundred percent. It's a weird and anomaly I, I, in all yeah, of this because especially because it's, it's it's Edward Zwick who's a good director. It's like where did oh, this? Oh, Last Samurai, right? Yeah, yeah he, and he's yeah, like a guy he worked yeah. with before, and it's like why is this a product of these two? Like this should be better. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I agree. We've been talking a lot. Um, I know, Yance, yeah, you got to go in a second. Um, yeah, like now. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> is there any is there anything else you wanted to bring up before you before we Peter and I can just wrap up the show? But is there anything else you want to get into? Uh, I'm sure there is, but I, unfortunately, I got to go. I can't think of anything else. Uh, yeah, no, I guess not. That's all this right. Been awesome. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> well, I guess we could let you go. Uh, where um, <laughs> I I don't think you've restarted that blog as of yet. But is there anywhere people can find you online? Uh, that blog would be good. Or Twitter, yeah, yeah Yancy Jack at Twitter. Um, um, or here on your show. What's the what's the what's the blog again? Milky Way Blues at uh the, the Milky Way Blues. All right. Uh, at well, Blogspot. At Blogspot. Thank you. There you go. All right. Well, Yancy, uh, thank you for joining us, and uh, we look uh, forward to getting you next time. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Cool. Bye, Bye. Yancy. All right, Peter. It's just you and I now. All right. <laughs> now that that crazy Hobbit lovers off the uh, <laughs> Hobbit, come on like, uh, no. um, um, I know we should wrap up the show quickly but I do I, I, and we don't have the answer but I'm still curious your thoughts on this because we so there's various news items we tend to talk about sometimes on the show and we don't get to them very often but I would because you and I and Nancy we tend to talk about Star Wars a lot I was curious your thoughts on Star Wars on these the uh, the the recent news of casting wise that Mark Hamill is going to be back as well as Carrie Fisher in a way where they're going to repurpose footage from both The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi to make new scenes involving her for the next uh, episode and Billy D Williams and Billy D Williams he's joining the cast but I mean that which is great I'm a huge Lando fan we yeah, know this huge. but but as 
you know, as far as this goes, Mark Hamill's being back. That's intriguing. And Carrie Fisher's footage being utilized. That's also interesting. Where, where do you, where, where do you, where are your thoughts on like Leia I'm, still being involved I, in this story? And I think they made, I think they absolutely made the right call. I mean, of course I haven't seen this footage, but I mean, I think we can agree that CG Princess Leia from Rogue One works for two seconds, but like it wouldn't work as a, and, and I don't, and I do think it would have been lame to just be like in the crawl. Whereas not people saying in the, in the scroll, is it the scroll or the crawl? What do they call crawl, the opening? The crawl. The crawl just be like, Princess Leia died. Like that would be lame. So it is. I mean, it's such, I, it's a lazy yeah. tactic, which I see some people arguing for is like, that's the horrible way to treat the character. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, look, I mean, it's, it is, it is a situation that, is just sad and and obviously there's you know they're doing the best they can so i mean like yeah i no i i absolutely support that what they're using i i hope to of course i hope the footage works you know i mean but i mean i don't think I don't you, know how, yeah, you don't, but, you don't yeah, make you course. don't make that call because maybe it works it's like clearly right. they know what they have <laughs> and they're, they're gonna actually if i will say this if anything i'm kind of surprised that they were so explicit about the footage from force awakens because i think that now, as as a fan, it might be hard to see a scene and go, "Really? Wait, I think this is this is this is supposed to be from Force Awakens." Her character's not at that point yet. I'm surprised they told us that I instead th- of just saying, "We have some footage of Carrie Fisher. We're going to figure out what to use." Like, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I think the I think honestly the best logic we can use with this is uh, Furious Seven, where. The audience is basically like we're in like in a, a with a, in a pact with the filmmakers where it's like guys we all know this is what the, what has happened we all know that right, these, right. that she's passed away and that we had to use footage and so we all just have to kind of go along with this thing. Uh, I mean right, that's that's a right. reductive that's somewhat reductive how to look at it, but I think it's this kind of inherent understanding that we're already set we're already prepared to know this is a th- as opposed to like surprise Peter Cushing's in Rogue One now this is more of right. a all right, <laughs> right, right we we all we know what we're getting into we we're not gonna yeah the Leia stuff is there and we're gonna you know just be happy that we get to see her again but we don't have to think too hard about that and I think that's gonna go a long way as far as people's appreciation of her character being involved in whatever way she is. I agree. I, but honestly, my bigger concern is there has been so much, and actually those same people I was telling you about, The Hobbit and D- Dark Knight versus Batman, they really hated Last Jedi. Because of, of the lack of the lack of plot and character, which that movie's full of. <laughs> right, exactly. No, they didn't tell me that. I, but I mean, like, I, I just, yeah, I mean, I really love The Last Jedi, and I think you do too, and I know Yancey, who's, who, you know, doesn't really like anything that George Lucas is not involved with, so like, he does like it, and I just the fear I'm having more is that I don't want um, Kathleen Kennedy and J.J. Abrams to either reverse or retcon things. I know that there's a lot. There are very vocal people who are very much like you've got to you've got to make it that um, Kylo Ren was lying and that Rey is a Skywalker. I'm he just like, he, he was lying. He was lying when when Rey was the one that said out loud that she's from nobody. <laughs> right. Yeah. I just there's little lapses in things where it's like Kylo never actually said this. It's Rey that said this. But whatever. Go on. Keep going. <laughs> right. <laughs> like I just I just don't want. Yes, because everyone is like, oh, you know, J.J. Abrams. He had a plan. I'm like. In all the interviews I've seen with Abrams, he's always like, my job was to set the table, was mm-hmm. to put these options out there, and then the next director will decide what to discard, what to ch- – and, and that's what Ryan Johnson did, and I thought he did a terrific job. I don't want to start episode nine with, like, you are – Luke Skywalker did have a daughter, and they'll be like, oh, come on. Like, that, 
that is that's my now do you think because of the underperformance of solo because of the some of the fan hatred with last jedi do you think disney and kathleen kennedy will blink do you think that they'll be like eh, we need to placate them you no know? no i don't no i, I, th- I no, think no why not <laughs> Because I think they're smart people that are in that position where they are for good reason. Um, I, I don't think Kathleen Kennedy, who has a you know decades-long career of being a fantastic producer and one of the most successful people in Hollywood of all time, I don't think she got there because you know a vocal minority of audience members <laughs> like that that suddenly have a new platform to speak out on like didn't like a thing. Um, I I I can see them maybe catering a bit more as far as how things are revealed um mm. but as far as like story wise goes i don't see that i don't see anything like that happening as far as directly defying the kind of unexpected turns that ryan johnson decided to take maybe i don't even know what's going on with the spin with the spin-offs anymore like that's that, that's not really we got nothing on those we don't know what's after nine right now no, not, which, yeah. which i i like uh because I'd, I'd rather see something... I mean, because you have all these... In that, like, Ryan Johnson has his own trilogy, and the Game of Thrones guys have their own trilogy, and all this stuff. It's like, I'm looking forward more to that than, like, the inevitable Obi-Wan announcement, as fun as that might be. Um, which was what inherently... You'd, which is what ideally you'd want to say with Solo, but, you know, <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, I mean, I do wonder if... I wonder if the Solo's underperforming is a blessing in disguise if they... If it makes them just not do the the spinoff stuff. Oh, and, I hope really, I, I, know, I hope like, it is. I hope that's a realization that it's like, yeah, we could do other things with this brand that we have. Yeah, it's a huge uh, universe. You could do so many things. Like, yeah. Um, and, not to keep belaboring this, I, so I want to just keep kind of focused here before we kind of move on to wrap things up. But the the other thing, and still in relation to your question, is having Mark Hamill. I, I think the. The fact that they've announced him so quickly, as opposed to saving that as a surprise or something, both makes me think, well, we are catering to certain fans and saying, Luke's back, which I think that kind of satisfies some people on a certain level right there. But also, I think it implies that he might have a bigger role than some might have expected. Like, I'm not surprised that Mark Hamill's still going to be in Star Wars because Force Ghosts. Um, right. I'm but, assuming he's a Force Ghost. Yeah, but like, yeah, right. I wouldn't have been surprised if it was like just like a, a quick scene or a cameo or whatnot. Here, it's like, guys, we have all these people in this cast, including these two people. And it's like, well, they're just throwing that right in, right out there, which is like, maybe he's going to be like a big presence in this movie as a Force Ghost. I, I, I'm intrigued by that, and I, I, I'd like to think that that kind of thing can help help satisfy those that are were unsatisfied with Luke Skywalker in some way, or maybe give them a realization of what the last Jedi was doing with Luke Skywalker and make them understand it better by having further follow up on what was going on. Right. I mean, right. And if anything, I mean, you would, they would have Ryan Johnson to thank for if you can use Mark Hamill and not have to have him look like a glowy ghost because this movie last Jedi shows that he can be there and he doesn't, and you literally think he's there. And he's well, even, there. Like the, like, even like so. the even the Yoda scene, Yoda's there. Like it's just the technology. Oh, is Yoda better. glowing? I forgot. He's glowing at the beginning, and then he's kind of glowing the rest. But he's mostly just there. Like it's kind of okay, right? Yeah, right yeah. But that comes um, from you know it's 2017 or whatever, and that movie's you know, right. The others are 1980. <laughs> it's like yeah, you can do the you can have a little different idea of how the Force Ghost stuff effects work. So. But yeah, no, no. But I yes, I'm excited. I just I, I hope you're right. I hope that they just keep on with what their story was going to be. So, are you happy that it's Abrams instead of Trevorrow? 
<laughs> wait, I thought. Wait a minute. Wait, I thought you like Jurassic World more I than d- I do. I do like I Jurassic. Do. I, have, like- I I have no personal problem with Trevor the same way other people do. I do like J.J. Abrams as a filmmaker more, just because I've been happier with more of his films than Trevor because Trevor O's yeah, made, he's made three movies and one I really like, one I think is pretty good, and the other is I think better than anybody else gave it seem to want to give it credit for, but it's still, you know, nothing special. Um but like you know, Ryan Johnson is one of my favorite filmmakers currently working. He's not he, he's made four great movies to me. Um so it's like that was a and that was a great outside the box choice as far as a Star Wars movie goes. Trevor O's like dude made you know, he made one really cool indie and then he made Jurassic World. It's like, okay, that's a, that's a, you know, that's something. But it didn't really get me excited in any way. What was the one with the kid? I never saw it. Um, Book it of Henry. Flopped. Book of Henry. How is that? Did you see it? Anna and I watched it finally. It's on HBO. And it's fine. Like, I, I... It's the kind... Like, Scott Middleton's argued this a lot, where it's... You know, the movie, it goes crazy as far as what it's doing. But... I don't see movies do that very often, and so it's like, I don't know why I need to bemoan this as if it's some kind of hate crime. It's just a movie, and it might not all the way work, but at the same time, it's different. Like, it's something unique. Okay. Like, it's not, it's not some kind of, like, horrible thing in the same in the way that most critics seem to want to peg it as, as if, like, you know, this guy that made the big, you know, this giant dinosaur movie, you know, dared make a personal project that's kind of weird, and suddenly it's the worst thing ever. It's like, no, nah, it's it's just a movie. Like, it's, well, I mean, I, I would, I know that we have to wrap, but I mean, yes, I am, I am more, I'm more, I, I, I feel more secure that someone like Abrams is at the helm of finishing off this trilogy, and I have been, I've been okay with Trevor O and um, what is it, Godzilla, right, Edwards, he's like Gareth Edwards, one, yeah. right. Yeah, I like Godzilla. I mean, like, I, a, I mean, like, I'm not. Yeah, I'm a big Godzilla wait, fan, so it's yeah. Oh, you are. Yeah. I, yeah. I, oh, and I really like that trailer. That's oh really my god, I the that trailer! Movie. I've yeah, watched, I've watched, I've watched the new one because that's Mike Doherty. That's that's uh, from Trick or Treat and Krampus. He's doing the new Godzilla. Oh, that's right, 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 right. I didn't love Krampus. <laughs> I didn't love Krampus, but I, <laughs> but I, love, yeah. But but watching this, I've watched the Godzilla King of the Monsters trailer a lot since it came out. So I'm so excited for it. <laughs> but yeah, like I no, I agree. It's so weird though. I am. I'm not as big of a Ryan Johnson guy as you are. I do like Ryan Johnson. I, I love Brick. I think Brothers Womb is really great. I love Looper. I mean, you're not a huge Willis guy, so that might not have helped you right there. But, <laughs> but I, wait, wait, I mean, what? I would argue. I, I, I said you're, I, I'm, you're not a big Willis guy, and I, I love Looper. But at the same time, <laughs> Looper and Moonrise Kingdom, those are both 2012 films. It's the last time that he's tried. So it's like and... he is. He is good in both those movies. Um, I do like Looper. I love Brick. And actually, I like Brothers Bloom. Strangely, you know what it was? I honestly, it's more that I think Looper was just a little over talked about for me. I don't think it's a bad movie or anything. Fair enough. It's, I think it's more that. I think it's. But, a, it, then, I think yeah, it's also I mean, a mix of I like Ryan Johnson's movies, but I also like Ryan Johnson the guy. Like I've met him a few times, and I've I you know I've oh. I've heard I've heard him in a lot of interviews and whatnot. He just. He he works for me in the same way that other director, like G.J. Abrams, for example. I think they're very they're good personalities. Like they're good, yeah, they're, they're that. filmmakers that I enjoy watching their films. But they're also guys that like to talk about films, and I enjoy listening to them talk about movies. Sure, I would I would agree. Uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> so it's like that. And Trevor, I haven't got like I've seen some of his interviews. He seems like a, a nice gentleman, but and he's also got his he's also stuck his foot in the in his mouth a few times as far as certain things he said, but. You know, it's it's not that same impact where it's like this is not a director that excites me as far as he has a new project coming along. I got to go see it. Like it's right. Or who was uh, Chronicle? 
Josh Trank. Josh Trank. Right? Well, that which well, I liked. I liked Chronicle. I like Chronicle a lot, and but yeah, Fantastic Four, which is another movie where it's like I didn't come down hard and it's like as the worst thing ever. It's just like, you know, it, it he had an idea and it clearly got compromised, and I don't yeah. think I don't think his initial idea was probably working that well to begin with because you don't just ruin a good thing um, necessarily. I mean, obviously there's there's precedence for that, but I mean it's not it's not. I doubt there's a version of Fantastic Four that Trank made that was like this is the you guys don't understand this is the next big thing and you just you don't get my <laughs> I don't I don't think that was the case. Um, so it's like. So you don't think there's a four-hour? Yeah, I don't think there's. I don't think there's a. I don't think there's a Heaven's Gate version of Fantastic Four out there. Well, no. What was the David Fincher the work print? Is it like three hours for Alien Three? It's two and a half hours the work print, but that's not. That's not. He's not not even involved in that. That's just more of. Yeah, we assembled this. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's more. It's more of what he was doing. Still, it's not his version. And even then, his version is still nothing because it was a script that wasn't complete. So it's you know has its problems. Um, but yeah, no. I, but no, I, I mean, yeah, I, I've said this, but I'm excited for Abrams being back just because I like that he doesn't have to worry about catering as much as far as I got to make the first new Star Wars in decades. So it's got to be, you know, it's got to be, it's got to call back and I've got to make sure it references all these things that people really have. Now it's just more of a, I can do whatever I want. That's kind of where he is right now. And I'm excited by that. I'm excited to see what that leads him to do. I mean, I, I certainly hope that we get the Abrams that... The only, my only, now that you bring it up, though, my only fear with Abrams is that I always think Abrams is so terrific at um, either a TV pilot or a first film, like a the film out of the gate, because I didn't really love Into Darkness. I forgot about that. Like, I thought that was kind of half a movie. Um, so I hope that he's still being able to bring his A game. Because I do think he brought his A game with Force Awakens, and I well, and I also love when the first you have. Star Trek. When, I know you're not a Star Trek. When guy, you're working with I mean, like, when you're working with Star Wars, yeah, you, you're kind. Of, no one's phoning it in on a Star Wars movie. I think that's just. <laughs> yeah, no, I hope not. I mean, like I. Yeah. It comes with wait, a certain. Actually, wait, it comes with a certain responsibility you, that I just. Yeah. Do you think we will? Just speaking of what you just said about the Josh Trank Fantastic Four, do you think? we would ever get to see the Lord and Miller version of Solo. No, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> well, because actually, I would be curious to see no, that. I would, everyone, I would will be cu- everyone will be curious about that forever. And, it, and until, like, the, <laughs> like, when, when, like yeah, when the Disney like, vault opens up in, like, 2142, sure, I'm sure we'll all see, you know, none of us, but, you know, the, right. our <laughs> ancestors will see Solo and be like, huh, that was an interesting thing that was kind of working. But, that, like, that's not us. We're not seeing that. We're not seeing that ever. That's not going to happen. They'll get, the, they'll get the Rogue One, the original Rogue One ending, too, and I'm sure it'll be like, oh, yeah, they, they filmed on a beach. Good for them. But that's it. Oh, this is what this is what I wanted to say, that even though I know you love rogue one and we have to wrap up but i i feel like what star wars needs and i hope it's ryan johnson or the game of thrones writers they basically need a guardians of the galaxy they need a star wars property that is irreverent and different than what has come before which is kind of what guardian would you say that's kind of what guardians did it was like oh it's not really a superhero movie it's different like oh it's a space would you say that's kind of it's a a movie indebted to things that star wars and movies like it did it just has it has it has it's also it's just sarcastic (laughs) that's the that's the difference i'm not necessarily (laughs) saying you have to make a sarcastic i'm saying yes i'm just saying you have to find a corner of the star wars universe that we haven't exploited and just be like, hey, let's have fun with this. And wow, we really love these characters and worlds. And that's what I'm saying about Guardians. I'm not saying the 
the the humor has to be. I mean, I wouldn't mind if it's funny, but no, for sure, that, yeah, that's no, what I, meant. I mean, I mean, yeah, I I get what you're reaching at, and I mean, Disney's inclined to do something like that too. They certainly wanted that. I think they wanted that with Solo. Honestly, it was like you know, it's it might be a character we're already familiar with to a certain extent, but it's still like here's a bunch of new characters involved with him, and they get on a wacky adventure, and Donald Glover makes jokes and. You know, L three and whatnot. Like there's, and you know, Chewie makes sounds and it's funny. Like there's, like it's doing, it's doing the thing that it, you know, presumably wanted to work. It's just that feels like all the other things. That's the issue. And Guardians is unique for its, I guess, its inherent quirkiness that comes from James Gunn's style. Uh, to, yeah. To put it, I, I, uh, I am between the soundtrack about... choices and. The irreverence, yeah, that's that that that's the kind of the. Best. I will I will say I have I've never been able to get through Rogue One more than that first time. I've tried. I don't know why that movie doesn't work for me, but I will say I I do I actually am looking forward to rewatching Solo. I don't think Solo's great or anything, but yeah, I I like Donald Glover. I love um, what's the actress who's the robots from Fleabag? Uh, Phoebe Waller Bridge. Yeah, I think that character is great. Like, yeah, there's definitely stuff I liked about Solo. No, I'm, I mean, I like I like Solo yeah. too. I look forward to watching it. Again. It's Star Wars. I don't not look forward to watching right. Star Wars movies. Yes, that's true. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, there you go. All right, let's start wrapping things up. Um, let's see. First up, out now presents what's out now. These movies that are coming out on Blu-ray or DVD this week. Feel free to give like a yay or nay if when I mention some of these. Uh, first up is Life of the Party. This is that Melissa oh, McCarthy? Oh, that was okay. Yeah, was, I mean, I like her, but eh, right. I didn't see it, so I'm sure I'll come to Netflix or something at some point. I'll be like, oh yeah, that's that's exactly what I expected. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's fine. Um, the death of Superman. This is the. Uh, oh, I just got that sent to me too. Um, have you watched it? I haven't seen. It. I haven't seen it yet. I've heard good things about it. Um, yeah, I'm curious. I, um, I I'm especially curious because they already made this with Superman Doomsday, but now they're like, I guess we should do this again. <laughs> so they're doing it again. But it's from what I hear, it's not like the full arc of this story. It's going to go over a couple movies, a couple DC animated movies. Hmm. Okay. So it's like literally like part one of the death of Superman, as opposed to let's tell the whole thing in one movie. Interesting. So, but yeah, I've heard good things about it. Uh, Revenge. I love Revenge. One of my favorites of the year. Did you see it? I have not seen it. Yeah, I know you. I know you're a big fan of it, though. The, all I will say is, is that if you've only heard that it's a kind of a feminist take on the, you know, rape revenge '70s kind of movie, it is that. But for people that don't like rape scenes, I will say that mercifully the scene is off screen, um, and that's not really the focus. I mean, it's it's important, but really, it, it's really just a great like it, it's a, it's a real powerhouse visually like i really i don't want i don't know what i don't know if you know what her name is but something with a c but i really want to i would love to see her do a studio like i'm really much like wow i want to see what this you know what she does with a big budget um i was really terrific so the director is a uh, coralie fargit yes i knew someone yeah coralie Far- yeah um but yeah yeah i liked it a lot yeah all right uh breaking in this is the one of gabrielle union which i saw and eh. Yeah, I love her, but yeah, <laughs> not great. Uh, could have been more fun. Yeah, that was my main yeah. issue. It's just not fun enough. Yeah, um, it just doesn't. Yeah. Let's see. Next is on Chisel Beach. This had Saoirse Ronan. Yeah, I got that too, and I I, I love um, I like Atonement. I like Ian McEwen. I think I heard this is good, not great, but I think I heard good, like sixty percent around Tomatoes or something. But I haven't seen it. Uh, next is Riverdale season two. I don't watch Riverdale, but terrific, yeah, terrific. I, Riverdale I actually guy. do. Yeah, I've I've uh, used this summer to 
uh, watch a lot of CW. I'm actually almost done with Supergirl, and I'm liking that. But uh, yeah, I like Riverdale. It's all, I mean, it's, it's all about it's, Black Lightning. Know, oh, I'm also halfway through Black Lightning. I like Black really Lightning. Too. Yeah, Black yeah, Lightning. It's, yeah. Um, these are all the same producers. This is all Greg Berlanti. But yeah, yeah, Riverdale is you know CW teen um, Twin Peaks or whatever, and it's like, but but I like it. Yes, I enjoy it for what it is. Um, yeah, I like, all, but yes, I will say, yeah, Black Lightning, pretty, uh, like I said, like, I think on episode five, is it 13 episodes? I yeah, think? yeah, like, yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah, really good. Um, yeah, I like all that stuff. So. Uh, Get Shorty, season one. I watched Get Shorty. I uh, saw the pilot. The pilot was all right. Uh, it, the whole season? I watched the whole season. It's good enough where, like, the season, the next season's about to start, and I'm like, yeah, I'll watch this. I'll keep watching this. Like, it's not my okay. favorite show by any means, but, like, I like Chris O'Dowd. I like Ray Romano. Ray Romano, I, yeah. I think the, the biggest stumbling block for me is that I'm a huge Elmore Leonard fan, and it just, it, it you know, in a world where I've gotten great movies based off of his books, uh, this is a show that just kind of approximates Elmore Leonard, and even like Justified was a great show that was very much felt like an Elmore Leonard oh, properly. Oh, Justified, and yeah. that that felt like Elmore Leonard. This feels like, like it feels like it's coming out of the Elmore Leonard factory, like the like you mentioned with Tim Burton much earlier. Oh, or, okay. So it's like it's not quite hitting that kind of satisfaction for me, but it is entertaining in its own way. So it's like I guess that's kind of good just because it's being its own thing, but at the same time it's like I do like Elmore Leonard language, and it's just kind of not quite reaching that but you know okay um the changeling this is the george c scott horror movie from the 80s God, um, you know i don't think i i think i've seen part of that as a kid i don't really remember it yeah good i i haven't seen the changeling in forever but it yeah it's yeah. got a new release from severin like a big deluxe release the, the eastwood is just changeling right and there's yeah, no you, the no they're both the changeling it's very confusing oh, it <laughs> yeah. oh, okay <laughs> I believe so. Let me see. Changeling. Let me type this in. We delay I do the like show. that one. I like. I like. Yeah. I like. It has yeah. not. There. The, oh, it is just Changeling. You're right. Yeah. There's no article. It is yeah. just Changeling. Uh, that's it. They're nothing like each other. There's no reason these no, should no, be compared. No, no. Probably um, not. This, yeah. On Scream Factor this week, uh, somebody's watching me. This is a, a TV John Carpenter horror movie. Um, along oh. with along with Mac and Me. Wait, is that that weird? That's the that's the McDonald that's the yeah. that's the McDonald's sponsored ET ripoff. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's the movie that Paul Rudd brings a clip to Conan for every time he goes on the Conan show. Uh, have you seen it? Oh, I've seen, I, I had the VHS when I was a kid for Mac and me, and, and? I and I didn't have ET, which is hilarious now that I think about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, and it's probably because it came with like a Happy Meal. That's probably the only reason. I, that's probably why right. anybody knows this movie. It's because they had it with a Happy Meal. Uh, no, it's a terrible movie. It's probably hilarious. I haven't seen it in you know forever. <laughs> like, but, uh, <laughs> you can find YouTube clips of it and be like, "Yep, that's a movie." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a movie. Uh, hmm. um, what else? Uh, Predator three movie four K edition. So you can get the original Predator in 4K, and you can also get the new set of Predator 2 and Predator. Oh, did you guys already talk about the Predator trailer? Yeah, we have. Pretty good. Yeah, good. I'm looking for it. Shane, Shane Black. Shane Black. So. Yeah, I'm yeah. excited. Yeah, yeah, it looks good. Um, wait, you didn't mention... Oh, wait, are you still going? Yeah, I'm Maybe still going. There's, there's a Blu-ray release that you haven't mentioned yet, but I, I want to see what you think of it, because I loved it. Okay, let's see. The Day After um, is coming out this Ooh. week from Kino. Oh, that TV show? It's the TV movie. Uh, yeah, from the I 80s. Saw it as a kid. I saw yeah. it when I saw it for a class when I was in college, um, which is because it's a movie about um, uh, the, nu- the, nu- the nuclear holocaust. Nuclear yeah. holocaust, and it's very intense, like for a TV movie. Well, uh, yeah, 
but uh, it has a new release this week. Um, the last thing on my list here is a Happy Endings, the complete series on Blu-ray, which was a great show. Ooh, I I do love that show. Uh, uh, early early work from the uh, Infinity War directors, right? The Russo brothers worked on a lot of those episodes. It's not early work. It's not that old, but yeah, they, um, they, they were involved. Well, right, yeah, four years ago. But um, okay, then you know what? Maybe it's next week. Because um, I got my email from Universal. Is an upgrade coming out? Upgrade comes out soon, yeah. Because yeah. I didn't get that Blu-ray yet. Did you? But see? I love, I love Upgrade. I was Did like, you see it? I like, yeah, Anna and I saw it. We were, we were fans. I think it's terrific. It's a fun. I think it's, it's, a, I think it's a, it's a solid. Good, it, it, it's exactly what something. This is kind of a weird thing, but did you see Truth or Dare? No. Yeah, no. it's not that great. But meaning, like, the, uh, Upgrade is it, it's a good b movie it's just like this is good it's it, it moves well it's got it's got just enough stuff to kind of stuff to think about and yeah so you guys like it too yeah it's good yeah, it's fun I, yeah, it's good fun. really good i really yeah. and the action scenes i thought um yeah lee wanold has a good hand like there's some neat tricks he does he's he he comes yes, he because yes. he and james wan obviously they're you know great friends and like he, he took a it seems like he's got some he's got some one influence and is like yeah these these guys grew up together he's doing some things here <laughs> i like yeah. what he's doing and i and i would say like um who directed dread i know garland wrote the script um oh god uh and from reportedly garland apparently directed most of the movie too there's a lot of disagreements uh, oh pete, interesting peter Tra- pete travis is the director oh, okay well from Dread is a kind of modern B movie or genre movie that I feel has the kind of violence that if you grew up with eighties kind of stuff, you would appreciate. Uh-huh. And I think upgrades like that too. Like upgrade can be pretty gory. Yeah. It's like, well, this is pretty violent. Well, I mean, like I wouldn't say it's well, cause, cause it has a, cause it has a, it has a, it has a, but... it has a body horror element. So it like, yes, it, it naturally yes, it leads does. to that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's next week then. Okay. But yeah, I really, but yeah, revenge, then revenge would be my pick. Of those things, yeah. We don't tend to do a, what's the best of this things coming out. But oh, okay. yeah, that, I like, I like, I like, I like that you took that initiative though. That might be a thing we should start yeah. doing. I should, I just read a list of all this stuff, and you're like, that's my pick of the list here. <laughs> um, let's, um, that's out. That's what's coming out now. Let's go on to extremely cool. These things that are coming out on Netflix and Prime. Uh, first up is on Netflix, uh, like Father. This is. Uh, oh, I just watched it. I I watched it too. It's so it has Kristen it's Bell fine. and Kelsey yeah. Grammer. It's directed by. Lauren Miller Rogan, Seth Rogan's wife. Seth Mil- Seth Rogan also um, oh has my a small God. role in the that's film. That's where I, that's where I saw the name Rogan when I'm watching it. I'm like, I'm like, where? I was like, oh yeah, okay, yes, it's so, wife. Yeah, okay. So yeah, I I didn't really like it. I think it has its moments, but I so what? Yeah. what so it's because it's like a father and daughter. Like the the bride get the bride gets left at the altar, and so she goes on a she goes on the honeymoon cruise with her father, who's estranged, and. It just feels like a like a less like a toned down version of an Adam Sandler movie where it's like, look at all this great scenery because we're on a cruise line and it's like oh, we're going <laughs> to Hawaii and it looks amazing. And my famous friends came along, except it doesn't have any of like the Adam Sandler crude cru- crudeness in it. It's just like a straightforward drama with some comedy. Yeah, it's definitely less rom com and more just. It's a father daughter thing. Dra- father daughter, but it's thing. just it's but not I... it's not funny. That was my main issue. It's just not funny. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's look. It's someone was someone wrote an article about how like Netflix is strangely a haven for these kind of rom com. I guess we would yeah. Well, I guess we would say rom com or these these kind of skewed like type of movie. What was the one that just came out of? Set uh, it up. Yes, set up, which was better. But I mean, like, it's another one where, like, it, it, it's like these movies feel like the weird 
early 2000s kind of film that would that would open theatrically yeah and they're okay you know it's but, the kind of thing but, that like kate yeah. hudson and jennifer lopez sure, are headline sure. and they'd make like a but decent amount of money right but i don't mind that i mean look i watched it in bed i'm like yeah i'll watch this like it's it's netflix i mean so it's yeah um i i, I think my favorite thing was some reviewer was something like something like like father not not the amazing Veronica Mars Frasier spinoff you've been hoping for. I think that was the like AV that. Club review. Yes. AV Club, yeah. I was like, oh, that's pretty good. Like, like, oh, I don't think anyone was thinking that, but good on you for getting that headline, I guess. I <laughs> but I do like, but I I mean, I, I like Kristen Bell. I like Casey, Kelsey Grammer. So I was like, sure, I'm on board. Like, literally, because it's a chip. But <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't, it's such a weird thing with Netflix stuff. Like, there's some stuff that's great. And you're like, wow, this is like glow or something. Like, oh, it's a really good show. And there's but, a lot that's not. So, <laughs> wait, right, but they're great. great so, well, like, oh, okay, how about this? I liked like Father way more than um, I think you and I both hated. Uh, what was the big Will Smith right. one? Yeah, that was terrible. Like, so like that was bad. Like this, I didn't. I mean, I would you agree that this was better? I mean, like, I mean, it's splitting hairs because they're I, no, it's not splitting. It's more of what both of them are trying to accomplish. I guess like father is probably more successful than bright was because bright is like an atrocity where like father's just bland. <laughs> like father's just bland. And it's just, but like, as far as what that movie's trying to accomplish, like if it's supposed to be a comedy, it's not funny. If it's supposed to be a drama, it's very lightweight. So it's like, and yeah, so but it's not like it's poorly like, acted or no, I mean, like it doesn't do things that kind of make me reject what I'm watching in the way Bright I did. Think, <laughs> I think what it is, is you were saying the Adam Sandler crudeness and I'm not expecting that, but I would say, you know what it is? I think what's missing with like father and also set it up, even though I think set it up from what I saw was better. Cause now that I think of it, I don't think I've ever finished set it up. They don't, it's more like those movies don't have enough interesting sitcom situations. I, no, I agree. I think that's no, what it, it is. It's, it, like, it's, it's a lot. Well, yeah. I, I mean, set it up. That's entirely sitcom. Like that's what that movie's doing. Oh, for like, sure. But yeah, like Father, yeah, absolutely. Like Father's problem is it's the same. It, there's nothing past the problem that they have. Like there's right. no, there's no, it's, it's, it's right. he's a, he's the strange father and she's a workaholic and there's 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 nothing interesting done beyond those things. It, it adds new characters that suddenly spice up the movie a bit more because it's like, okay, yeah, we, can, sure. we can laugh because, hey, there's you know these other couples that are involved now, or Seth Rogen gets to be charming because Seth Rogen can do that. He has good right. chemistry. Say what you want about Seth Rogen. He has good chemistry with everybody. Um, he does. <laughs> he does. He like, does. He just not, that's why he's ended where he is right now because he has good chemistry with everybody. But it's like, we're still not evolving past anything we've, already set up in the movie that we know is going to change by the end of it. So it's just like, all no, right. you're right. Yeah. You know what I want to see? And I think I saw your Facebook post. It makes me think, cause I didn't get to read your review. I'm sorry, but I'm feeling you're going to say I should watch first reformed instead. But now that you're making me think of Netflix, how is uh, extinction? Oh God. Well, yeah, watch first. It's not good. <laughs> it's... Well, but you, okay. Well, no, for, well, the only thing is as we're getting later in the night, I'm like, Ugh, am I really in the mood for a heavy drama right now? Well, I would say don't <laughs> like watch. I, well, I would say don't watch either, if that, like, because you're not going to appreciate first and foremost enough, and you're and you're just going to be wasting time watching this. We can watch anything else. <laughs> is Extinction? Is it like bright? Is it that no, bad? No, it's it not that like, bad. Oh, it's, it's no, it's 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 more like like Father. It just it just kind of sits there. It's like yeah, there's an idea, and they yeah, it's there. That's it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> What else is new on Netflix? Uh, right? That's all I got for Netflix. I mean, there's, a, there's like there's like four TV shows a week on Netflix, but I don't have time to like look into all these. <laughs> so I just I, I, I like the things that I think will probably get. Oh, the most there's that ones. movie Zoe. I was curious about on on Amazon Prime because it's it's 
It's uh, is it Ewan McGregor and Lee Sedu? And I was like, mm, that might be good, but I haven't seen it. I saw that was a new release. I didn't know anything about it. I also see the only thing I wrote down is Spy Kids 2, The Island of Lost Dreams. I was like, why not? <laughs> the movie's fine. I've seen that. The Robert Riga's yes. Spy Kids yes. sequel. It's good. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all I got. Alright, that's extremely cool. Next week's show. Next week we're talking the Meg. The Meg is gonna bite its way uh onto our podcast, so that's what we're gonna talk about next week. I can't wait. I'm looking yeah, forward that looks to really it. Fun. Look forward yeah. to it for sure. Uh last thing we do here, what should people go and see now and what do you plan to see next? Peter, what should people see in theaters right now? Uh Mission Impossible on the IMAX. There you go. And what am I seeing next? Um I think Black Clansman? I'm trying to think if I'm going to a screen. That's supposed to be great. Do you see it? Yeah. <laughs> wait, did I miss your podcast? I'm sorry. No, wait, no we're, we're talking about that in a couple weeks. Um, I, it's because Abe has to edit this, so I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I'm either going to see... You, you can find my review. That. It's up. It's up there. <laughs> okay, there's that, or um, there's also Collect. That's Kira Knightley. I think that's oh, another one that I'm going to screen. Yeah, okay. Not, so, not Slenderman? That's not your next movie? <laughs> I think those are yeah those are my next so uh, oh no actually oh well no 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 well the Meg is my next movie because I didn't get a screening invite so yes if I don't see anything this week then yeah I'm seeing it when it comes out of course okay um but yeah so yeah uh, Mission Impossible for sure and uh, Blind Spotting is you know oh yeah you said that was good it's 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 tied with a certain other film for my favorite film of the year so far so yeah, there you go well yeah. I also heard um Sorry to bother you it's supposed to be fantastic that's you very it. it's very good too. Um, it's it's not the other film that's tied for my favorite film for the far of the year like blind spotting is but it's very good and uh okay and uh the meg is the next thing that i'm seeing so yeah all right that's gonna do it for this uh extended loose episode about now out there and you can find more of my work on my personal blog thecodezeek.com all my written reviews can be found there i write all of them over at we live entertainment as well where you can also find my coverage of preacher and you can find me on twitter at aaron's ps4 peter paris where can people find more of you uh, nowhere right now. I mean, I am social media. I'm Pajamo on Twitter and Instagram, although I've been kind of taking a break from social media. So I have uh, I have not been on lately. So I'm just fortunate enough to be on you and some other friends podcasts. All right. You can find all the other episodes about now out there and over on iTunes, as well as on audio boom. You can email us any thoughts you might've had on anything we talked about this week, which is quite a bit of things over at now podcast at gmail.com. Follow us on facebook.com slash now podcast and twitter.com slash now underscore podcast. Send us plenty of gifts uh, of what, whatever of, of Winnie the Pooh's uh, doing stuff over at now podcast.tumblr.com. Uh, Peter, thank you very much for joining me this evening. Yeah, thanks, man. It was really good. For sure. Spend and, the sun, Sunday night. Yeah. You have to decide what to watch. Uh-huh. And uh, th- thanks again to Yancey Burns for joining us earlier. And until next time, that's going to do it for this week's episode. So until we chomp, chomp our way to the Meg, that's going to do it. So until then, so long and goodbye. Goodbye. Farewell. Be on your merry way. We are going to miss you every single day. So long. Adieu. Ta-ta and toodaloo. On my merry way, I'll always think of you On land, or sand, or gravel Or where the roads we travel Unravel, it's more fun with two It's always me and you And together we will stay Through warm or stormy weather We'll always be together forever, for within my heart. If we should ever part, we'll be never far away 
from each other will be never far away. Dum 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 d